Hello and welcome to the Minimax Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by, we'll skip you, Jeff Markiafava. <laughs> hey! Serial Vasquez. Hello! Everything's all out of whack. And JV Gwaltney. Hi! Whoa! Nice to see you guys again. Welcome. Get up closer to that mic than you right. think, uh, as they all say. Hey, good to see you. What have you yeah. been up to? Uh, I was at PAX. Great. You are our PAX expert. So on this oh, episode, Lord. we're going to unpack everything at PAX because you are the... You're the secret spy, the man on the ground. You got everything to say about it. Glad we're live broadcasting that. Yep. So the secret still stays, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we'll talk about Baldur's Gate 3, which you might be extremely informed on. I'm very curious to hear all about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about backlogs. The great mystery of the backlogs. That's right. Like sewage pipes or something? That's right. It is a Patreon about games, friends, and getting better. And this is about making your septic tank better. So let's really mm -hmm. dive into it. Now, let's just talk about strategies to improve how to tackle your backlog, everything like that. It's really just a motivational lesson for Jeff. Um, then we're going to talk about oh, Blood Roots a little bit. it's an intervention, isn't That's it? That's right. We're going to talk Dang about, it. obviously, Final Fantasy VII uh, later on once Kyle gets here. And then we'll talk about Half-Life Alex, Grand Blue Fantasy versus mm -hmm. uh, maybe Valorant a little bit. And then we have so many amazing community questions when we open up the min box. Um, Flaming Queso from the community on the Discord, he said, hey, you guys should call that section the min box. Oh, that's good. Too that's cute. Good. No, it's When good. you get annoyed by, like, min max puns, because it is a fertile name. Like, it's just constant puns that the community suggests, and it's like, at some point, we got to cut it off, right? No. Okay. <laughs> you ride the pun wave. All right, which is a good reminder to please Straight look forward. to hell. <laughs> Ain't no getting off of this train nope. around. Um, but please get ready for next week uh, at Minmax. It's going to be an exciting one where on Monday we're going to have what I've been calling a relaunch. It's probably too spectacular of a naming, but we're going to reveal like new logo, new merch uh, in the store, which is very exciting. Uh, some very fun stuff there. Mm. One, one thing, not to spoil it, but uh, I think people will be maybe disappointed that it's not various photos of our staff with uh, gun emojis at some point, uh, on either side of them. It won't be like a whole shootout thing. That's Hang not on. the look we're going for. I have not thought about this. Gun emoji <laughs> yeah. shirts. Okay, mm. if you've been in the Discord, which you get access to if you support us on Patreon, it is constant gun emoji <laughs> shootouts. Yeah, anytime I like, load in there, I check in like once a week, it's yeah. all just gun emojis. <laughs> Usually Jeff, um, for some reason, he's the guy shooting everyone. And it's not just like, like for people who aren't in the Discord, it's not just like, here's a here's a photo of Fava with a gun. It's like their hand are an crucial component because it always looks like everyone is very either dour or laughing yeah. but also pointing a gun at you with their hands. Yes. The it world. always looks convincing enough to worry like, okay, that's kind of that's The world's funny. saddest Mexican standoff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you need to see it to believe it in that hot discord. Thanks for everybody being a good sport in there. Um, but anyway, so new show announcements, some tweaks. It's basically going to be like exciting new show announcements, relaunch, new YouTube trailer, all that stuff, and then we'll have what the equivalent of patch notes would be, like on the Patreon, about like, here's how this show's changing, here's how this show's changing. Nothing too radical, but I think it's some smart tweaks along the we way. We got rid of the Kyle about. bug. Is... <laughs> That's right. Thank God. Yeah. Um, also, plugging things, uh, VGMCon, Video Game Music Convention in Minneapolis, which if you're listening to this early, it is this week, Saturday, March 7th, is when we're going to be there. We're going to be hosting video game trivia at 9 p.m., uh, I think a one-day pass is like 35 bucks, but it's not just for us. You also go to a, a ton of video game concerts. There's a lot of really cool panels and stuff going on there. Emily Reese, friend of the show, is going to be there. Um, the folks from Glitch and HyperDot, friends of the show, will be there. So it'll be a fun, good gaming Minnesota get-together. And then, Jeff, how do you feel about hosting that panel? Have you thought much about it? Nope. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it'll be a hoot. We have some very fun video game trivia ideas there. So that's 9 p.m. if you're in Minneapolis. So please check that out. And just a reminder, that is not the next community meetup. 
That we will talk more about in a public way um, next week, along with the relaunch and the announcement of the next charity drive, which is all interconnected. It's a big bundle of fun. Also, um, I'd like to point out that uh, reading comments, it turns out that that Sonic discussion from last week was, um, let's see, unlistenable. Mm. <laughs> so I like to formally apologize for caring too much about small things. I, I watched that movie uh, oh, did last you? weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You sound haunted like, when you said that. I don't know. I, I think your complaints feel like they're so hyper specific in a way that just like, I guess, mm-hmm. yes, he doesn't technically do the spinball thing, but he does it. He jumps off a thing and does the spinball and then does that. Like, that's right. a, that's what I needed. But Right. I hear you. But I, yeah, I immediately forgot until this moment that I had actually watched it. So that's a good sign. Also, Blue Mayhem uh, from the community is a high school physics teacher. And so he submitted a very lengthy explanation about how wrong I was about the slowing down versus going fast thing. And you're right. Look, let's move on. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> blue Mayhem, huh? Curious username. When, yeah, the blue blur himself. Yeah. Uh, GDC, everybody. Um, that's right. That thing that's happening. That thing that I can't <laughs> wait to go for. I booked my flight a while ago. That's a right. Nice cheap deal. Non-refundable. And then I was look- looking forward to going to all those panels and like making recap videos for everybody. And, and that's what you're doing, right? Stuff. You're looking forward to it, and now you're looking forward to that happening. That's right. Turns out last week it was canceled. Um, which well, is a, postponed. They say postponed, but that's at this right. point they, they canceled say, whatever event they're doing in March, having yes. one in the summer. Like even if they put it on, like it won't be the same. It feels like there's no way to like recoup whatever they were going to have at GDC. Like even if it still goes on, there's no way they're going to get that many people back. Yeah, and it's confusing because they said like, oh, we'll have some of the panels on YouTube or like, you know, maybe some companies that were sending people there to have the panels, maybe they'll just stream it from their campus, stuff like that. There's going to be a weird kind of like trickling out of adding panels to the vault. So maybe there will still be stuff to cover. But regardless, I'm going out there uh, for the week. I already have that flight lined up and everything. So I'll be producing content from out there. I'm going to be guesting on some podcasts. Yeah, Yeah, having a good time. Um, but I wanted to let folks know that if you're in the San Francisco area, hey, we should meet up because I suddenly have more free time out there than <laughs> I expected. Uh, so how about Thursday, March 19th at 7 p.m. at a bar that's called Zeitgeist in San Francisco? Zeitgeist. Thursday, March 19th, 7 p.m. I will be there. Look for um, the person with one beer in their hand and waving. Um, please come up and say hi if you're there. I'd appreciate it. Also, this is a very specific thing. I talked to some member from this community. If you're hearing my voice, it might be you. And they lived in San Francisco, and I don't want to out them, but they had an amazing job that I was very interested in in the film business. And I would love for that person to come to this meetup because I'd love to talk more about that and maybe line up a tour of where they work. Mm. Anyways, uh, GDC, it'll be an exciting time. Now, JV, you're in the PR world, right? I am. Congratulations. Thank you. And so GDC for you, does this just mean that, like, you're completely free that week or like what is it from your side oh, yeah, of the no, business? Like, yeah. Uh, none of my clients are there. So I'm not going to be there. I'll be focusing on other non-GDC related things. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, was it bizarre being in PR and just waiting for like, oh man, our entire company is sprinting to do stuff with GDC and now suddenly the rug has um, been pulled out from under them? I don't think I had to talk about the specifics of that, but no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, uh, PAX. You yeah. went to PAX. What was that like? PAX was fun because I went to PAX West uh, several years ago, and that was just kind of a bad time because it was just a bad point in my life. Uh, but 
it was, for the record, uh, Jeffem laughed when you said that, so I think that's pretty yeah, rude. But yeah, yeah, that's fine. I was not laughing at that. It was a bad time in his life. Okay, yeah. so go on. Um, but yeah, so this time it was good to just go there and be in a better place and actually get to experience like what PAX is. Yeah, you know, like oh yeah, there's like a healthy sort of you know fan community here. Like you really feel that this place is a a convention in the sense of like oh people are here and they're excited about games and they might actually be more excited about just being around each other and like talking about their love for games and expressing that than necessarily going to like you know E3 which is which is trying to bring more of the general public in but it still feels like a series of commercials you know presented yeah. as like booths and, and like stuff. the simple thing is like the one time I went to PAX which I definitely want to go again in the future but like one time I went there it was just like oh there's just Whole room set up for playing tabletop games. Yeah. Just having like that place just to meet people and hang out. Like, oh, yeah, this is what oh. E3 does not have. Dude, like, it wasn't just a room yeah. at East this year. It was like half of the hall was literally like, come play tabletop That's amazing. stuff. And then, you know, there was another one dedicated to PC, like, hey, set up your PC, play LAN games, yeah. whatever. Uh, and then the rest of it was like, media preview stuff of booths or come back buy swag from like the dead cells booth the Ooh. dead cells booth was really cool it was a castle like from dead cells from the from the ramparts i think yeah and they were just selling like plushies and stuff that's was amazing. it procedurally generated though? oh of course you can every, move the every blocks person around walked in and it yeah. was a different layout uh socially what was the highlight for you do you think when you say socially, what do you mean? Like, I mean, interacting with human beings in a social manner. Oh, well, I had a couple of people, because I was manning the dangerous driving to booth with oh, the cool. folks from oh, Three yeah. Fields there. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, and so we had a couple of people come by, and they weren't media. It was just, like, two people, and then I met another person later on, and they were like, <laughs> one, of them, one of them was looking at me, like, real funny as I was sitting there, like, and I was just like, do I have food on my face? Do I have coronavirus on my face or Wait, something? Wait, am I weird looking? <laughs> yeah. And then you touch your face as the CDC has advised you not to do. Yes, of course. And so he came over. He's like, are you JV? I love your writing. And I loved, you know, when you're on the podcast and stuff. I was oh, like, oh wow. that's really nice. That's very sweet. So stuff like that. But also just, you know, seeing how enthusiastic people were for some of the smaller games on the floor. Like uh, Maneater looks super cool. Like oh, is that, that that shark game? Yeah, it's the it's Jaws Unleashed, but not Jaws. <laughs> right, you know? right. People are really amped for that, and they're walking around with goofy hats and stuff and talking about it. So That's fun. Yeah. Um, just talking to people about what their favorite stuff that they saw at PAX was really yeah. exciting, too, like strangers and stuff. I saw a lot of, obviously, tweets from like the Animal Crossing booth. It seemed like that was, at least social media-wise, it seemed like the star of the show, but like being at the show, what do you think was like the biggest Oh, yeah, talker? everyone wanted to hug Tom Nook. Hug or yeah. kicking the no, hug. They, oh, okay. Yeah, they wanted to hug Tom Nook, the uh, the dog with the guitar. I forgot his name. K.K. Slider. Yeah. Show some respect. Yeah. Oh, okay. Isabel. Yep. Yeah, I didn't see Isabel, but I saw that she like pictures of her were posted on Twitter. But She's that, a businesswoman. She was in the back crunching the numbers, mm -hmm. making the sure the trains are going Big on old time. Dog hands on the computer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it feels like Animal Crossing was like the uncontested. Like, oh, everyone needs to stop by there. Yeah. Um. And there were some other great booths there. The Final Fantasy one looked good. Uh, I work for Private Division, but Private Division's booth looked really good. Oh, really? Yeah, like oh, people cool. were really into that. They had like the bice or the grab cycle from Disintegration and stuff, and a rocket from Kerbal Space Program. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. It's just yeah. like, and I'm not trying to to kiss your ass or Private Division's ass, but it just it feels like they're on such a good goodwill hot streak. I imagine they have a lot of people coming by if they were paying attention to the credits at least and be like, hey, thanks for Outer Worlds. You know, looking mm. forward to Kerbal. It's like those are 
cool games to to help bring into the market, you know. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, a bunch of the smaller vendors, you know, when you walk around uh, floor and it's like third party sellers of like retro stuff or whatever, those were really cool at PAX in a yeah. way that I don't think they're necessarily neat at Gamescom or um, E3, just because you get a lot, like those are bigger, so you have more of like obscure stuff. Like, do you remember, um, no, it wasn't you, it was me and Kyle and Reiner at Game Informer when we play. we played a Japanese Dragon Ball Z uh, Final Fantasy knockoff. Oh yeah, yeah. For Super Nintendo, yep. that never made its way to America. That was, you know, in Japanese. That you basically had to play a ROM, of a poorly translated ROM of, if you wanted to play it. Yeah. They had that for sale in one of the retro booths for like three hundred dollars or something. So just a bunch of like obscure stuff. That was really cool. That felt like you were more walking around a purchasable museum than necessarily like here's someone selling some old crap. Yeah. Like genuinely really cool stuff. And a bunch of homemade stuff too. Like, you know, uh, I forgot what you called the dice carriers for D&D. Like if there's a name for them, like just dice. Dice sacks. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just stuff like that, like very custom made stuff and always, and the cosplay is always great. Yeah. You know, I saw some really cool like Outer Worlds cosplay, Baldur's Gate cosplay, World of Warcraft cosplay, like just a bunch of cool stuff. Okay. So you mentioned the, the hot one there, Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Like I think... As far as, like, reveals go, that might have been the biggest. Like, there's little stuff. Like, I'm very excited about Jackbox Party Pack 7, the fact that Quiplash 3 is going to be in it. Uh, mm. But I understand those numbers are getting pretty high. <laughs> and then, like, Frictional Games uh, tease their next game with, yeah. like, a, like, a 30 second or something. trailer. Yeah, it yeah. showed, like, a desert area. It's the creators of Soma, if you remember. Oh, God. Which, That's so good. If you remember, Jeff, on that Hot Predictions episode, I remember one of my predictions for a next-gen game. Someone from will be games. That's right. That's, that's right. Said. But we didn't know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> but Baldur's Gate 3, not only did they show gameplay for this thing, but they showed an hour of gameplay. And not only that, but I love this. It was a live demo with the CEO of Larian Studios up there, the creators of Divinity Original Sin 2, actually giving the demo. And it's like, how often do you see this? Like an hour-long demo from the CEO combined with the fact that like the demo objectively did not really go well like he died it was kind of a mess but the audience was like eating it up more so because of that yeah and i think the part of the reason why people dug that so much is also like the sincerity angle that you just talked about yeah. of like having the ceo up there uh but also like the best parts of D or like tabletop role playing are often when goes wrong right when it's hilarious and things are falling apart and no one knows what to do and whether or not you you know clinch it or not or you just fall apart like it's still exciting and yeah. i think the demo that he gave like honestly that was much more exciting than like everything goes according to plan because you know from what i've played of divinity 2 and like the tabletop stuff that's not as exciting as when things fall apart yeah 100 percent. it was like that combo of things are falling apart but the way that learning designs games and with boulders gate 3 now uh it's like so flexible that the way he can recover from that is so fun like there'd be stupid stuff like it's like oh i accidentally put uh my secret sorcerer hand it fell asleep you know oh then there would be a moment where he's like okay i'm in trouble i need to throw something i can throw anything i'll just chuck my boots at this enemy which feels like something i would do in a DD campaign it's like hey what about if, what if i just threw my boots at that skeleton what would happen i really like the classic XCOM moment of him having a 90 percent like accuracy <laughs> hit on that little crab and totally right. missing it and everyone just screaming in joy <laughs> yeah that audience was ready to go man yeah like, speaking yeah. of goodwill, Larian's, like, at the top of their game. Did you guys check out Baldur's Gate 3 I watched at all? some of the video, and then I read some okay. write-ups on well, it. Did you have any it. big takeaways? 
Well, I watched the I I watched a chunk of the video first, and I, I it was actually that crab part where he, <laughs> he totally biffed on that crab, and I was like, okay, I can't really I can't really tell what's going on in here. I hadn't heard the entire pitch, but then when I read about how it's basically all the modern Dungeons and Dragons rules, and that they're really trying to recreate that experience, then it sounded more interesting. Yeah, and it's really exciting too because I feel like that's what Baldur's Gate needs. Like I've been going back through. This is just timed perfectly, I guess. I didn't know that they were going to show three off so soon. But, like, two months ago, I started playing through Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. And then, like, the weird enhanced expansion pack they released for Baldur's Gate 1 in, like, 2013 or something. Right. You know, playing through those for the first time. And, like, the world still holds up and is great and is captivating, especially if, like, you're a Bioware fan and you can go, oh, I can see the bones of Mass Effect in this. Or Ooh, the, what kind of bones? Uh, like, the villain... Uh, and uh, there, there are a lot of moments in Baldur's Gate 1 that they reused, it feels like, for Saren in Mass Effect. Like, certain moments of, like, oh, Saren's getting away, or he's going to do this, or he makes this kind of dramatic exit. Yeah. And it's like, that literally shows up frame for frame, you know, in, Ma in like, Mass Effect on Vermeer or something. So yeah, just stuff okay. like that. And they kind of reuse, like, there's a twist in Baldur's Gate that's not quite the one that's in KOTOR, but they, they basically do a remix of it. That's really fun. So yeah. is this all coming from Disco Elysium because you enjoyed that so yeah, much? Yeah, that's like basically after Disco Elysium was done, I was like, oh, I need more of that. So I played Planescape Torment, which is great, uh, and then leapt onto Baldur's Gate because like if there's any other – like there's never going to be another time I feel like right now where I'm going to do that sort of world tour of CRPGs I never played as a kid. Yeah. You know, because I was too young when they came out. Like I, I played Half-Life. Yeah, I was playing Half-Life and those kind of games when these were out, but I wasn't quite old enough to like play those games and really get wrapped up in the lore and read all the di the codex stuff and so on and so forth. Right, right. I mean, what is it like going back to those games? You're doing something that everybody kind of wants to do in the back of their mind, but no one's actually going to do? Well, I put those games on story mode and easy, so I don't have to deal with combat. Ah, uh, but Wait, like, so you skip combat completely then, or is it just like one-hit kill? Oh, it's one-hit kill. Like you're invincible and nothing can kill you, which is satisfying, you know? Yeah. Like, okay. honestly, that's how I play The Witcher 3. Too, or it's just you're this is a fantasy of being a badass right. i don't have time to fiddle with like all the potions and stuff and this is a 60 hour game minimum story mode baby right i just so that's what i did for Baldur's gate especially because the combat doesn't hold up that well uh but the story is great and the world is great like it's so funny it really is, yeah it's like i think that's what surprised me about the first Baldur's gate is like there are several quests that feel like ripped straight from maybe Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like one of them is you find this chicken out in the wild and it's a sorcerer's apprentice who has gone and turned himself into a chicken. So the whole quest is about getting him turned back. So you have to go to his, the sorcerer and he's like, well, Derek, you went and did it, you idiot. And so it's just like a four part quest to do that. Yeah. And the writing is really funny. That's nice. Are you playing this on Switch? Yeah. And in handheld mode, it's okay? Yeah, it takes about an hour to get used to the controls because you have to figure out... Because there's, like, an item wheel where it's like, okay, my journal's up here, and then, you know, uh, all my quest stuff is up here, and my inventory's up here. But, like, once you get used to it, it's about as feasible of a simplification of those controls as you could you could honestly hope for with the Switch. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it's more than doable, but... For the first hour, you're going to be like, "What's going on?" Right, right. But it's not. But it's not something like Outer Wilds, where it's like, "Oh God!" Five or six hours, you're still like trying, messing with random levers or something, trying to like manipulate gravity. Like, right. It's not. It's not like that. 
Okay. It just, just takes a little bit getting used to. A lot of very small boxes yes. that you have to get used to. Is uh, is Planescape your favorite? Yeah, Planescape, well, Disco is probably okay, my favorite. Okay, but of that older Of batch. the older ones, yeah, yeah. Planescape's probably my favorite. Just because I can't believe this game existed in 2000 the way it does because it's just it's so aggressively unlike anything you would expect from that era like it's very focused on storytelling uh it doesn't really care about you know making the player feel comfortable uh it throws a bunch of trials in your way uh and it deals with some very harsh and sort of bleak philosophical concepts surrounding identity and what it means for redemption and stuff. So I really dug it. This sounds very good. Is that also on Switch? Yeah, that's also on Switch, but the port's not quite as good as the Baldur's Gate port. Okay. So there's some crashes. The control scheme isn't good. It's still playable, but it's it's not it's not as great as the Baldur's Gate one because I feel like that one and Icewind Dale were first yeah. before they got to Baldur's Gate, I think. Have you played a, a Torment? Tides of Numenera? Yeah, I gave that four hours on PlayStation 4, and I think it's not necessarily fair towards the game itself, but there was definitely a curmudgeon part of me that's like, this companion isn't as good as the companion that was in Planescape Torment. So you, so you very quickly turn into the old school fan, like, this isn't like the thing I remember. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Playing yeah. it in 2019 or 2020, yeah. like, please. Back in 2019, <laughs> things were good. Yeah. yeah, no, but, you know, probably like five years from now, I'll give that another shot, okay. but it's just... Yeah. That's like a spiritual successor to Planescape. Yeah, right? that's the, it's just, it's more sci-fi, too. Like, there's mm. just a bunch right out of the gate that I wasn't crazy about. Um, what about... Um, Going from those original Baldur's Gate games to seeing the third one, are you? I mean, I mean, I've seen probably six minutes of Baldur's Gate gameplay in my life up until watching this Baldur's Gate three stream. Like, are you able to clearly track? Like, oh my god, this feels like a direct sequel to two, or does it feel like it's so reinvented that story wise, it's not as direct? I mean, I think it's more. I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. Because, like, this one's set 100 years after 2. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so there's, like, you. They're, they're clearly trying to make it where you can just jump in, you know, and not really worry about, well, did I play Baldur's Gate 1 or 2 or whatever, which is the wise move, right? I feel like. Uh, and you just reference a bunch of stuff from the first two games. But the combat's completely different, and it's probably pissing off some of, like, the people who are hardcore into Baldur's Gate 1 and 2's combat who played it in ye olden days, but... But it's just it's, not fun. But it's just it's, not fun. Yeah. And, Divinity, and if, it just, if it looks like a kind of revamped version of Divinity's combat, like they still have all the dice rolls and stuff in there. And like even in the demo, they were key on like, oh, you know, if you hover your mouse over here, you can see like the detailed breakdown of exactly what's going on under the hood. We just don't want to impose a pure D&D play session on people who just want to play a video game here, you know? Yeah. And I feel like my problem, because I tried to play Divinity too, and I really like the systems in Divinity, and I like the class breakdowns, but I don't like that world. Oh, it interesting. It feels like um, generic brand fantasy sort of stuff that cribs off of like all the tropes I played in Dragon Age, all the tropes I've seen in Lord of the Rings. You know, like the writing is funny, but it's just that world does nothing for me. So having that those systems in a world that I care about mm-hmm. that I've spent like 90 plus hours in already. I'm, I'm really excited about that because yeah. I wanted to like divinity a lot. I like the act of playing divinity, but just like the story in the world did nothing for me. Yeah. And it's crazy looking at the production values of three. I wasn't expecting this. So like the conversations look great. Like oh, the, yeah. the faces, the animations and the fact that the camera fully zooms in, it's not staying at that CRPG level to the point that like 
they call it third-person camera. You have the option of going pure isometric or zooming in a little bit, but it's like there's a chance that this could rope in like that Witcher crowd that maybe is kind of averse to CRPGs in general. Like they're really threading that needle well, I think. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited to see more of this game and to play it whenever it comes out. Yeah, so yeah. it's like summer 2020, they say, early access. So it's going to be one of those where like, oh, you can jump in, mm-hmm. but maybe hang out for a bit and hang back. Yeah, that's an interesting model. That's what they've done for the past two games, correct? I yeah, because Divinity, I think, uh, Divinity 2, I think, was in early access. Before yeah, it yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe every time you play it, it'll be as fun and as entertaining as the play session from the CEO here where things are breaking mm. left and right. You can be that fun streamer and have your audience react as much as uh, his did at the that's end right. of the demo when, like, it just fully glitched out and, like, the characters are, like, running around on a ladder and breaking through the world. It's a hoot. Do we know yeah. if it's, if Baldur's Gate 3 is coming to Switch? Uh, I, I think they just think said so. PC right now, okay. but yeah. eventually Divinity came yeah, to I would consoles love, and stuff. So I know Divinity has like cross save between Switch and PC. I would love for for that to ha- happen to a game out of the gate where it's like, hey, if you want to play The Witcher, because they added it to The Witcher as well. Yeah. Because if you want to play it on your big like honking PC and run it at sixty frames or whatever, <laughs> that, you that's can. That's Alienware's newest yeah. <laughs> state the of the honker. art. Yeah, the big it. honker. This one honks. Uh, it's got the goose on it. <laughs> that's right. We, we, the, it's shaped PC. like the goose. That's right. And it's like, we built this PC so you could run Untitled Goose Game as well as possible. <laughs> Lord. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited for Baldur's Gate 3. I think this is one of the benefits of not being a, a journalist anymore is like, I don't I don't have to play the preview version for coverage or anything. Like, I can right. just wait. I can be like, I'm going to wait till this is fully out. Because that... Like, there's some games that early access is fine by me, like Dead Cells or Slay the Spire or something. But for, like, oh, a beefy RPG adventure, you know, with those systems, I don't want to do that thing where it's like, well, I played part one, got to wait four months for part two or whatever. That That's not the kind of way I want to experience that. Yeah, for you sure. You know, I totally understand for people who are on the other side of the coin, though, you know. That's what they want. Dive in early. Yeah. I'm amazed. I don't understand what your life is like anymore, JV. You're, just a, you're a mystery man to me. But the fact that... You have time to go back to stuff like Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing in your life? How are you so good at transitioning to next topic, tackling the backlog? <laughs> um, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with the job I have now uh, with Tara Bruna PR. Tara's a great boss. Uh, and it's basically like we're a remote agency, so we're all spread out all over. You know, there's no like home office. Uh, and we just use Slack and sort of like modern, you know, tech to do work. A lot so, of TikTok business being done over there. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, my day to day is basically like a bunch of tasks that are the that aren't like calling them simple isn't isn't necessarily fair. Like, But you aren't like locked in an office for eight hours, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just it's like I have a checklist of 20 things I have to do right. today. And a lot of them are easy. Some of them aren't as easy. So it's just I, uh, one of the good things I was always good at Game Informer, uh, I feel, was multitasking stuff. Like, I do this thing. All right, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to Shay for three minutes. Okay, try desperately to move on to the next yeah, thing. <laughs> but, and, like, the cost of that was, like, there are other people, obviously, in the office. Like, you know, Serial, who was really good at, like, honing in on, you know, one particular feature uh, like any times it was an esports feature or something and just mm-hmm. focusing in on that you get this incredible in-depth thing like that wasn't the case for me I feel like it was like all right move on from one to you know a to b to c to da, 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 in a single day and so this job like I feel like I do that 
And so between those tasks, I'll just play games. It's stunning, though. Like, I feel like you're tweeting every day, like, well, just wrapped up another playthrough of Red Dead 2. Or like, well, I'm going on my 15th run of Slay the Spire. It's like, how are you doing well, all of this? Okay, those particular examples, Slay the Spire, like, a run is, like, 15 minutes. Sure. To an hour. Right. Like, at best. But hang on, just real quick, another detour. How has your appreciation level for Slay the Spire increased or decreased over the last, like, four months? Like, what do you mean? It seems like you are beyond red hot on this game. And I feel like, just because my friends have really dove in deep on it, too, and everybody is obsessed. I feel like it's 2019's biggest, I don't know, the graph just keeps going up and up for, like, no, seriously, Slay the Spire, you guys. Dantac was right a long time ago. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's, there are things that, there aren't problems that I have with it. There are ways that I recognize that a, the game could be improved in terms of like expansions, mm-hmm. you know, and they're already doing that. Like they have the new character out, which is basically every character is a deck, you yeah. know, so I want more cards to play with, you know, because I'm still like for two of the characters, I'm reaching the point where it's like, okay, I know all the strategies, you know, so I want more. And that's not, you know, that's not a fault. That's a, that's a great, that's a great problem for the devs to have. Yeah. I feel like. Uh, so I'm still red hot on that, I guess, and I just like it more and more as time goes on. Um, but Red Dead, I've been playing, I've been doing a new playthrough since I ended my old playthrough, and I've just been doing it slowly. So that's not a, oh man, I surged 50 hours mm-hmm. in a week. That's a, I've put like 100 hours into this game over the course of like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not, it's not, it's not the same. But when you surpass Jeffem in your second playthrough where he's at, um, well, then see, the I'm doing the same thing happen. that JV's doing, which no, is I'm aren't. playing very slowly. Yeah, okay. Slowly. Have you played since the last time we're talking? No. <laughs> Jeffem, I this is the thing. I think a big part of your backlog is being realistic. I think everybody has what I think is called future bias, right? Where it's like, well, current me doesn't have time to play through Luigi's Mansion 3, but I know in the future I will. It's like, no, if you're not ready to do it now, you never will. Cut it off, man. Let it die. However much you want to go back and play Death Stranding, it ain't going to happen. And Jeffem, you are at that point. You no. are never, no. ever going to finish Red Dead 2. No. Where are you at no. Red Dead 2? I'm, I'm, His like, voice got quiet. No, listen, He's Jamie, so I've put like 40 hours into it. That's Good. not answering just, the question. I know it's, I know it's not. You answer the question. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. It's still early. What chapter Han- are you on? Hansen had brought up something I about an the island. I brought Saint Denis. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. And I, I don't know anything chapter about five. any island. <laughs> I Have don't you... know nothing about no island. Has there been a mansion yet? There's no mansion. Oh, oh my God! Can you imagine this? Can you imagine him being like, no, Red Dead 2 is really good. It's like it's like you uh, nibbled the crust of a pizza, and you're like, this new food is the best ever. I bet and the I'm going to go on the podcast nice. and talk about it. <laughs> I'm dumber every day. <laughs> okay, I've never gone on a podcast and talked about how great Red Dead is. Yes, you have on this podcast several times. Well, yeah, but everyone knows that it's great. I'm, I'm not like saying like, hey, I'm the Red Dead expert on no, this I'm topic. No, I'm just saying it is so frustrating to know how good that game is, specifically the second half of that I game. I know. I'm sure I'll love it when you I get to it. You will never, ever do it. That's what I'm saying. You, you guys either- should just have a sh- charity stream. Where it's just forcing Jeffem to play, and every time he times. gets his new chapter, won't do it. it. Come on, Jeffem, yeah, please. I'll, what will motivate you, seriously, to, to no, check it out I'll, the backlog? I'll, I'll go back to it. I I gotta go back. You to it. said not... I could pull up a clip from this podcast Look, four months ago. Jeffem has a plan. This really is an intervention. <laughs> I knew this was going to be an intervention. Yes, when JV showed up in that jacket, I was like, <laughs> oh, oh damn it. 
They tricked me. Okay, what is your plan? Can we just mark it that next week on the Min Max show you will talk about Red Dead 2? Is this what it'll take? Um, next week is going to be too early. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's... Okay, let's, well, what, is, what else is on your next backlog? Next month, next year, next decade? There's there's a lot of games on my backlog. I mean, that's the biggest, most obvious one, but it's also the most intimidating one because I know I'm going to play that for like another 150 hours. You don't have I, to. I, I know I don't have to, but th- but I enjoy that world so much and I enjoy all of the little... I enjoy exploring and fishing and doing all uh, the stupid things I, exp- I enjoy that, that world so much I don't want to taint it by playing it and experiencing it anymore look I understand I got problems I've never <laughs> said that I don't that's all I wanted to hear yeah, yeah. alright that's all I wanted to hear okay so outside of Red Dead mm-hmm. like how's your backlog looking what, what tips do you have it's looking real bad <laughs> I still want to get back to Resident Evil I still oh my god Lonely Planet I mean there's all these Lonely games that Planet. like what are you talking about see I was just trying to I was just trying to think if that's the name of it or not. Journey to the Savage Planet? Journey to the Savage Planet. Oh. I was way off. Well, there is a game called Lonely Planet. Is there? Lonely yeah. Mountains Downhill Planet? See, that's exactly what I said to JV that it still didn't feel right. He asked me before we started what game I was playing. I was like, uh, I'm playing Lonely Planet? And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, wait, is that the name of it? Close I enough. I think, Jeff, if I may try and give you some tips and I'm not Look, perfect. no, I got lots of tips. All right. I'm, I'll just acknowledge from the beginning that they're hypocritical and that I'm not following them myself. Okay, well, what are your tips then? The first one is, I think, trim the fat. You got to be you got to be really realistic yeah. about what games you want to play and and specifically and just shut up about Red Dead. <laughs> but but specifically like the the you know does it spark joy interest kind mm. of like am I actually is this a game that I've actually enjoyed enough that it should still remain in the backlog that makes me anxious right. that I want to go back to versus I played something for 5 hours it wasn't really doing anything for me, but, you know, I own it now, so I'm obligated to play it, or other people like it so much that I should go back to it. Yeah, 100%. And you got to cut those off. And we're in a really lucky spot with, uh, you know, where we're at overall, but also just, like, having that yearly grind and always trying to focus on this year, and then it's like, okay, we recorded our greatest games of the year discussion. Okay, moving on. And maybe I'm too militant about that, but I feel like it's such a relief because, like, throughout all of last year, I was... I had this anxiety about like, I got to go back and play The Division 2. I got to play that more. I have it. I want to play it more. It seemed good from what I played. And then at a certain point, it's like, you know what? End of the year, just erase everything behind you and move on. Because now it's like, I got to go back and finish Journey to the Savage Planet at some point here. Yeah, no, I'm, I've, I think I finally learned that lesson too of like, cut your losses, you know. Uh, no harm done. Yeah. You're you know, only relieving yourself the anxiety. Because you already paid the money. It's not like the devs are going to suffer or the publisher is going to suffer because, you know. You stop playing their game. Right. You know, you don't have to hold yourself prisoner over an experience that you're not necessarily enjoying as much as, you know, to justify spending your time with it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And even like the sparking joy thing, um, a situation recently where I was listening to another podcast and they're talking about Kentucky Route Zero. And I was like, you know what? I was on act two of that game. I just, this week, I'm just going to wake up and every morning I'm going to play through another act. And realize that the acts kind of get longer and longer as you go. Mm, act yeah. five is a little bit different, but I was like, oh, I think they're all like an hour. And it's like, oh no, some of these are really stretching. Yeah, you on. hit act th- four, and you're like, oh my god, this is never ending. I thought they're all like five act structures. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't exactly sparking the most joy. Like I appreciate that game more than I like it, and maybe it's on me. Uh, maybe I don't read enough uh, 
fiction or no, novels. Yeah, dumb, dumb. I think I'm <laughs> dumb. I think that is the core of it. As I play through it, and it's like, I just need some more handholds here because I understand so many people love it so much, but nothing's really sticking to my bones I here. think that is totally a fair uh, take with that game. Like, it is absolutely going to be for some people and not for a lot of people. I happen to be like the the you know the bit the big literary nerd it feels yeah. like that it's for hey can you tweeted something absurd about like where is it in your ranking of number three for favorite games of all time yeah, yeah to be fair i was thinking about putting it in my top 10 yeah I top feel, 10 yeah yeah i feel like there is so much like there's you gotta go back now hansen and play it again <laughs> i mean i finished it <laughs> i i feel like kentucky route zero presents a version of America that I spent a decade growing up through in terms mm. of like debt and anxiety and the things that you love falling apart, you know, or becoming antiquities and like the people that you love sort of, you know, becoming victims of a system that don't give a shit about them, mm-hmm. but also presenting it in a very sort of somber, beautiful, surrealistic way. Um, that I really that really resonated with me and draws from a bunch of sources that you know I'm into sort of like you know Thomas Pynchon, uh, basically all of the magical realist and just yeah it comes together in a way that that I get that it wouldn't be for a lot of people but for me but it's for me like I really like there's something in that game that specifically like Act Two and Three that really moves me. Do you think? And I'm not saying it's not worthy of the praise because of the connection but do you think like themes of sobriety in the game really struck a chord with you personally and that made you bond a lot harder to the game than normal not necessarily like i mean sobriety is a big deal for me and you know there is sort of that connection there for for me it's more about debt Hmm. like the debt that you owe the country you live in the debt that you owe other people you know uh sort of being crushed under that debt or learning to live with it being being conned into it. Yeah, and yeah. spiritual stuff, too. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what is the debt that we owe to, you know, our fellow man or, you know, whatever else is out there, if there's anything out there, God or aliens or, you know, the mis- you know the unknown. That stuff that, like, keeps me up at night thinking about that. Your debt so, to the aliens? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, exactly. But just sort of uh, having a game that tackles that and doesn't do it in a clean way but actually is, like, an epic poem sort of way of just let's go on this adventure together it's going to be weird it's going to be sad there will be moments of levity there's there's a lot in that game that speaks to me there's, you are wearing a t-shirt by the way yeah so, yeah this is the <laughs> television uh station. station from the game that's right it was yeah. at pax so one I thing that up. i like about it is that it's introspective without being judgmental because yeah. you, you you think about games where the pitch is oh it's set in the south right and the kind of like a lot of the go-to things are like, oh, aren't these people from the South? Aren't they backwards and like Hicks and stuff, right? Like, I don't, I don't, that's not the reading that Kentucky Route Zero makes at all. It, it talks about how these people were kind of screwed over. Yeah. And it's very like, here, here is why these persons' lives are the way they are without saying like, and it's their fault or like, you know, it, it's not necessarily trying to point fingers. It's saying like, this is the state of things as it is. And this is why people might be like this and and so like i i like that it does whereas you know disco leism is very much waving middle fingers at everyone and just kind of mm-hmm. like being very distant and, and acerbic and i like it for that but like kentucky red zero feels like a very nice companion piece where it's kind of like saying like let's look at the causes of why things are the way they are versus just saying like isn't it aren't, aren't things like messed up right now? yeah it's it's a very william faulkner take on the south of like these people aren't idiots they're suffering because the systems that, you know, sort of surround them 
have made them suffer and they are victims of sort of that damage and because of that you know they create more damage themselves and trying to fix themselves it's a very sort of tragic thing they're not they're not they're not country bumpkins do you have um advice for going through this game because you guys talking about it <laughs> i feel like was that the game i'm playing <laughs> i i'm it's on me it is 100 percent on me but are you guys taking more notes? Are you analyzing every sentence? Is it just a basic level of intelligence that I'm missing here? No, I don't think it's a basic level of intelligence thing. I think, like, you come to... It's like any other piece of art. You come to a piece of art or game or movie or, or whatever, you know, anything that falls under that umbrella with your own experiences, mm -hmm. right? And so I come to Kentucky Route Zero with experiences as someone who grew up in the South, as someone who has, like, serious issues with religion and spiritual stuff like i still like get moved when i hear like hymns and stuff but i'm not a, i'm i'm agnostic pretty much but you grew up in a pretty religious yeah environment pretty, yeah okay. pre pretty religious environment um you know and i have sort of like insecurities about being seen as an idiot because mm -hmm. i grew up in the south uh and you say poem weird yeah say poem weird uh <laughs> i saw a lot of my friends sort of suffer because of like poverty that's prevalent there a certain kind of poverty hmm. Uh, where people just go, oh well, you're in a, you know your your family's poor because you're idiots and you're racist and so on and so forth. So coming to that game meant something to me, and I don't necessarily and you know I'm a fan of its biggest influences like Pynchon, like you mm -hmm. know Lynch and stuff. You know, so I don't think someone coming to that experience without the same you know oh I really love David Lynch or or I love these sorts of books or I you know I had a different upbringing like I don't think you're dumber because you come to something without those experiences because you've had different experiences. You've had different things that you're into that are going to hit, you know, harder yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. It's a game that speaks to experiences that, you know, might not resonate with certain people. Right. Yeah. right. Like, yeah. Hey, uh, what's in your backlog, Saru? Uh, well, I've been playing through Half-Life 2. Oh, which, uh, weird. Kind of playing through it again uh, ahead of Half-Life See, Alex. that game's way older than Red Dead. I'm uh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're fine. Uh, oh, go ahead. Is the coast part still? I like those coast parts. Like I, I, I like I like it when games do vehicles in a way that isn't that feels tactile. So like you're doing a lot. You're basically forced to do a lot of stunts in that thing where it's like here's this really weird ramp that you kind of have to do like a, a really quick U-turn. But I totally get why people don't like that. Is like you're playing a third per, uh, first person shooter to kind of run around hallways and shoot stuff, and that's not what that game is for. You know, maybe the the second third or something. But then you get into Ravenholm, and that's like an incredible area. Yeah, my problem with Half Life Two is I love the first part. I love Ravenholm. Oh my God, the bits between the mines and the country or in the open country go on for like three hours too long. Oh, and we're back in the city and the resistance fighters and that stuff is great. It's just like this, you know, sandwich with a bunch of layers that I love. Uh, but this one layer I really hate. Like, I just hate it and to the point that it, like, sort of messes with my experience every time I think about that game. It's like, oh, man, I'd love to go back to that. But that one bit's really rough, mm -hmm. sure. you know. I mean, I so I, I enjoy those parts more, so I totally get one. But I, I get that it's, like, not maybe the thing that everyone wants in their shooters. But Ravenholm rules. Yeah, that yeah. area's incredible. Like, the first, I remember being 14 or 13 years old when that game came out and hearing Alex say that, like, we don't go to Ravenholm anymore. And, like, the way she del the, the actress delivers that line, like, is just such a brilliant introduction to one of the scariest levels in a game, I feel like, at least when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
they do such an effective job of turning that game, like the the way you think about that game on its head by like, there's basically no ammo for any of your regular guns there for most of that section. And so by then you have the gravity gun. So you're forced to like, think of it as a survival horror game where every enemy is coming at you and you don't have really all that much ammo and you're forced to like, okay, there's a saw blade that I can use with the gravity gun. I have to throw it. But if there's no, if there's nothing around you to grab, you're kind of screwed. So yeah. you have to like, you're basically running around this area trying to figure out like what's, like basically trying to put together your arsenal to to throw it literally mm-hmm. to throw at all your enemies. And, and, it's, like, and it's got a good comical slant to it. It feels like an Evil Dead kind of brand of horror where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm fending off a legion of flesh-eating zombies by picking up paint cans and slapping them in the face yeah, with when, it. When you throw the paint cans at them, they, they get splattered in paint, <laughs> but it doesn't kill them. So they're kind of running at you covered in white paint. It's, yeah, that's good. While like the suffering people who are still kind of in there going, oh, God, yeah, Every time you set me. them on fire, they start yelling like people. And it's like, oh, OK, this is a It, it is a very interesting combination of tones yeah. that I don't think games really make anymore. Like, it's very hard for a game, I feel like, at least like, in the triple a space to exist you know outside of anything but a single tone you yeah. know that's why i really like wolfenstein right. that much is like you're it's just bouncing all over the place tonally like you'll have these you know big moments of tragedy followed by like utter hilarity and vomit humor and stuff and i think half-life 2 did a little bit of that too with you know that raven home section if you could bring back any canceled game would it be that arcane half-life raven home spinoff that they were working on I mean, that seems like exactly your alley. I don't know. I, I like with canceled games. I kind of, I kind of approach like the concept of a canceled game of like this game was probably canceled for valid reasons. Like if they, you have to think like if they spend tons of resources on something like that and then it gets canceled, like it feels like a lot of the time. Not that all makes the sense time. with a very logical company, but when it's Valve, you know, they're yeah. in that Blizzard territory, just like not feeling it. We're just going to stop returning your emails for a while. I feel like that project could have fallen apart just as simply as that. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, the, in that timeline, that probably means like something like Dishonored or Prey doesn't get made. Right. So, All right. no. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, is it weird streaming old games in your backlog, uh, Serial? Do you feel like you're able to focus on the game as much if you're streaming I, it? I, as I, you it just it works there? as good motivation to do that kind of stuff because I don't think, like, part of me feels like I'm streaming basically to push myself to play games that I would otherwise not play. Yeah. Um, so like stuff like the the or- the Legend of Zelda Oracle games, which you, like I, I want to play through games where it's like, oh, I've always been meaning to go back to that. So that's what I'm doing here is, is like giving myself an, ex- an excuse to play games like separate from like, oh, what, what should I be playing? And just say like, I want to play this. I'm doing like I have this other ulterior motive or whatever for like streaming to people. So it whatever I filled that time with doesn't matter, so I may as well fill it with stuff that I've been meaning to go back to. Sort of right, right. It. And you feel like, okay, well, the community expects me to keep rolling with this, so I can't yeah. just, eh, I'm not feeling it today. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I was playing Doom for a little while, and then I was I didn't necessarily feel like that was a good streaming game because I was so focused on the encounters that I mm. wasn't really saying much. Right. Uh, and it's hard to segment that game. If you're not basically cutting off at the level, at each level, you're you kind of get kind of confused of like oh i have this keep i should should i be going back so i didn't feel like it was a good stream game so then i switched to half-life 2 which is a little bit more linear in that sense so yeah for sure uh i realized i think a key to making a lot of progress in your backlog is like oh yeah my girlfriend was out of town this weekend so i was like it's just dragon ball z kakarot days (laughs) like the entire week i was like i'm going to sit on this couch and plow through that game so now i'm like in the boo saga that game is so big i love it but like 
even like you know in the in the Namek saga and stuff like that, I was reaching that point of what am I doing this for? Because I know the story already and the combat I enjoy enough, but eh. But now I am just locked into that groove again and could not be. Are you that ready anymore. to come to the side of the light that Dragon Ball Z should have ended with the Cell Saga? No, I love Boo Man. God, I am so nostalgic over because that's when I got cable and was able to watch it at my house instead of invading my friends' houses to watch like you know the Android Saga, which was. Every day after school, like, oh, no, I can't go home because, oh, no, because uh, Android 20 looks like a mean guy. Um, <laughs> but so now with Boo, it's like, I'm such a sucker. Like, even seeing Videl on the screen again, like, I know this is like when Dragon Ball Z jumped the shark for a lot of people. I'm like, this is this is my sweet spot, baby. I love this stuff. I it's like so Boo's a villain a lot. I, yeah. I think the story they tell with him isn't, like, the best, but I like Boo. It's like this weird inversion of Goku where – because I think the whole point of, you know, original Dragon Ball is that, like, here's a guy who – here's a kid who you wouldn't expect – because at the time, like, a lot of the action heroes were, like, people like Fist of the North, like the guy from the Fist of the North Star. He's, he's this big bulking brute, whereas Goku is this little kid, so you don't expect it. And he kind of has this really, like, loving nature, and so you don't expect him to be as strong as he is. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like this reverse thing where he's a really nice guy, but he's, like, devastatingly powerful, and he's, he's being coerced into doing, like, destroying the world, basically. Right. And so, like, he acts as, like, a polar opposite to what go, what that series has been about. And mm. then, you know, they they, they kind of mess with that in, in a few ways. And, yeah, it, it goes on for longer than it should, for sure. Right. I just feel like the thematic cause, and I know it's a it's an anime, okay? It's a, it's a crazy Saturday morning cartoon equivalent anime, and I shouldn't make, like, a big deal. By like, that you mean art, but yes, yeah. go on. <laughs> but, like, the first bit of Dragon Ball Z, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I really have to say my piece, I'm so sorry. Uh, like, the first, like, Dragon, like, three-fourths of Dragon Ball Z, it feels like, are all about handing the reins to Gohan. Yes. Right? So you get to the end of the sale mm-hmm. saga, Incredible. Goku sacrifices himself. Vegeta comes to a place where he goes. Hang on, oh, hang, yeah. on. Well, hang on. Jeff hasn't finished the story yet for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Spoilers. But... <laughs> so, like, okay. Hang on, chance. Any chance you'd finish uh, Kakarot by the Well, it's on my backlog. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so after go, Red go, Dead. So Gohan's ascended. Yeah. Yes. So Gohan's ascended. Vegeta comes to a place where he actually is learning to care about other people. It wraps up beautifully at the end. Gohan has finally ascended. He is mm-hmm. the, you know, the sun has risen to the place where his father was. It's yeah. thematically beautiful in a way that few things of that kind of, you know, work are. And then, oh, no, here are 30 fucking episodes of nonsense. Yeah, but I don't think he can really be at that top level of storytelling until Great Saiyan Man comes out. Because that's <laughs> when things that's get fun. Comes, yeah, right. But I think a lot of people would say that about uh, the Frieza saga. Like, okay, that is the culmination of everything here. He's finally achieved the impossible, gone Super Saiyan. And, like, Gohan has still risen up and helped enough in the story up until that point that it's kind of loosely implied but I, I, I can buy into that but yeah. then like what Cell Saga does it's just, it takes those ideas forward it still brings those ideas of ascension forward and mm-hmm. sacrifice and what that means and then the Boo Saga like continues and doesn't okay, do anything but if you're going to talk about sacrifice like the Boo Saga and Vegeta's storyline in the Boo Saga destroys me I think it's incredible but and look, it still goes on after that. It still well, goes on and yeah, on and on and on. Look, like, I'll be it, annoyed by the Boo Saga at the end of Kakarot when I'm like, I cannot take this anymore. <laughs> yeah, but right now in the starting, I'm still excited about reliving this. Okay, this we probably story. shouldn't drive yeah. your You're listeners right. Let's crazy. Let's talk about backlogs. Backlogs. <laughs> but so I think one of the things that y- I think you kind of tangentially 
touched on what is another concrete tip, which is that even even if it's not your girlfriend is leaving for the weekend, <laughs> yeah. but like scheduling concrete times of when mm. you're actually going to play games as opposed to just kind of having it always hang over your head of, I you know, I want to play this game, but so say, you know, on Thursday night, I'm going to set aside this amount of time mm-hmm. to, to play games and then kind of prioritize which games when you're when you're going to play them based on how much time you have. So right. so when you have a whole weekend, that's when you play Kakarot. When you have, you know, I have an hour on Friday that I'm going to vote devote to time, then maybe play Slay the Spire and those kind of things. And, what about this little trick too? I would do this every time at Game Informer when I'd check something out of the vault, which is a collection of games, and then bring it home. I just want to remember that this was like the vault copy and not my personal copy. And instead of just like putting it on my stack of games, I would put it on the table, like on the coffee table, which is basically my footrest in the living room, just like as a nice reminder, like prioritize this one. And I wonder if that would work for like your backlog overall as well. Like just even just taking the game case and just putting it on your dinner table or breakfast table if everyone in the house is cool with that, just as like that upfront reminder of like you cannot move this off this table until you devote the time and finish this see for me and this is a personal thing like probably because i'm a creature of impulse when it comes to games it's just like that's too much of of an obligation like just sitting at like looking at that i would feel like i don't like the fact that i've signed myself up to play this game even though i'm not feeling it at the moment so it's just for me it's just like from bouncing from game to game to game and being like okay I want to try this game, mm-hmm. but if it doesn't click with me after an hour, then I'm done with it and it's dead to me forever. It needs to reach that threshold of maybe I'd enjoy this. Like, yeah. you know, be brutal, cut stuff off. But there is that middle ground of like, I just need to motivate myself just a little bit. Yeah. Well, one thing, I mean, if you're kind of uh, in the discussion of games and you kind of, you know, whether you're on Discord or like, you know, if you're in the industry, there is sometimes this sense of like, ah, I should play this because other people like it. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, you know, something like, uh, you know, Doom or Bloodborne, like you're playing it and people like, oh, the conversation around this game is really hot. I should play it. And if you're not feeling it, then like don't play. Don't don't feel like you have to force yourself to play it. unless unless your job is literally to play games for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, do you shouldn't feel Seems like a mistake uh, yeah. compelled to like, ah, oh, well, like maybe it'll get good later. Like if you're not enjoying it in, in that moment, like don't feel like you have to sort of meet the game halfway in, in, mm-hmm. in most instances. I will say that I played Control my initial playthrough, and that was right after something happened and we all got laid off. Mm, something um, happened. The uh, and I didn't love it because there's a lot of bullshit in control that is like designed specifically to annoy me in particular when it comes to checkpoints and problems. They said that in our cover story. Yeah, yeah we're here to annoy idea. JV, right. which Elise, who wrote the cover story, was very fond of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went back. After I had did like a marathon of like uh, Twin Peaks and you know some other surreal stuff, and was just like you know what maybe I'm in the mindset now to enjoy it more and I did and I made the time for it and it's like twelve hours altogether and it was like oh yeah I love this a lot more, you know so I feel like maybe sort of aligning games that you want to check out or like games that you didn't give a fair shot the first time you know with stuff that you're doing now like oh if I'm enjoying a bunch of you know, cyberpunky stuff, I might give Deus Ex another shot mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. because I did that too. Like, I didn't meet Deus Ex Human Revolution on a, you know, necessarily fairly. I got pissy with it because it wasn't Deus Ex, yeah. the Deus Ex I wanted, but I came back to it later. And it's like, oh yeah, this game taking on its own merits is good. 
And by the way, you can go back and check out our game club of that game back at Game Informer, which oh was... Oh, my God. I felt like I was dragging myself across the finish that line. Was that like, was like, what, 2016, 2017? Yeah, it was right before Mankind Divided came out. and 16, then. Yeah, that was a good reminder. Don't choose a game club game that I'm not personally excited about because that I wanted to kill myself during that. That was so What rough. about Andromeda? At least I love Mass Effect. Like, Deus Ex, I like the first one, but not like a diehard I apologize die for that. That was mean of me. That was mean of me. How dare you? <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to cover? JV, in that case, uh, we thank you for swinging by the basement. You've been very sweet and generous with your time. And do you want to clap out? Holy mother of God. Kyle Hilliard, welcome. Uh, we have a lot to cover still. Uh, Jeff, um, Bloodroots, we did for the Great Goatee Hunt stream on yes. Tuesday. If you're not familiar, every week we let Patreon supporters vote on what we play for the stream. And we played Bloodroots, which is kind of in the vein of like, Hotline Miami, little bit ape out. Um, Kyle, have you played more of this, or you just watched it on the stream? No, I just watched you guys play it for an hour, and it looked uh, lovely. It yeah. looked fun. I guess it's, lovely is not the right word, but <laughs> it looked it looked like a fun action game. For it's sure. a murder playground, right? Like yeah. the star of the show is just lovely, picking yeah. up. Like I said, that's right. Like, hey, here's a wagon wheel. Here's a carrot. Here's a weapon that I can only use three times. I'm gonna grab something else, um, and then just trying to get through area, area, area. Serial, yeah. what do you think of Blood Roots? Uh, I like it so far. Uh, I'm these. Games tend to t- get to uh, tend to get a lot harder as you go, so I'm kind of still in that mode where okay, this I kind of have to try a little bit harder, but I'm not at the point where it's like oh, I've tried, I've been at this level for like an hour and haven't been able to get through it. Yeah. Um. So I imagine Except at some on point the stream in, the other day. Hey, that stream lasted an hour. We got through plenty of levels. <laughs> I was very impressed. Um. But you know, eventually it'll probably get there, and I think I'll, I'll probably fall off of this one a little bit before I you know because I finished both Ape Out and Hotline Miami, but. Um, I th- I th- I like this one. I think less than those, but I'm yeah, still having fun with it. I think it'll, I think it'll appeal to people who maybe didn't like certain parts of Hotline Miami. So I think this is maybe more for uh, like those people. But uh, for it me, it looks a little less tactical. Is that a fair read? Where it's like it's more just about reaction and getting there. Quickly. It's a little bit, yeah. It's a little more focused. Where I think okay. it's um, that's appealing to me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's more about like okay, I, in this small area there are X number of tools, and which one do I want to use to kill this guy? And you you are sort of uh, building this puzzle in your head of like okay, I need to grab this axe. That's good for three uses. I need to move on. Uh, okay, and at that point there will be a fourth guy. So I need to either retreat or find another weapon and use that. So you're kind of uh, over several tries, building the string of like, here's the exact kind of path or combo that I want to run through this whole level. Um, but it doesn't feel as like uh, you're not like reacting as much to what the enemies are doing. It's more like the enemies will kill you if you mess up the sequence that you were going for versus mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to think about how if I do this, how will the enemies react? Gotcha. Yeah. Blood Roots is the name of that one. You can check out the Great Goatee Hunt to see it in action there. Um, star of the show this week, though, in my mind. You might see something else, Kyle, but... Yeah, PictoQuest. Picto fantastic Quest. little RPG. No, it's... it's I don't, really? I don't think there? it's a recent release, but I've been playing it a lot. What is it? It's just a Picross RPG that, that you can good. get on Switch. It's good. If you like Picross, you should play it. Okay. 2D? And, 2D? Uh, yeah, 2D. Which you should try 3D. Don't just... Does, no, I've, I've played 3D Picto... And we don't have to get into this again. This. We don't have to but yes, I've, I have played the 3D okay. ones. All right. There is a acknowledge that good. the 2D good. ones are better. Oh, it's on mm. iPhone too, but it's not good on iPhone played on Switch. Okay. Yeah. There is how also is, murder... How is it not good on iPhone? Well, there's like... 
a big example is like when you get into the larger grids, at least on like the current model of iPhones, there's like the little line on the bottom of the screen that you use to like flick your apps away. And if you're like trying to fill out the bottom row, you're constantly going to be like wiggling the app oh, to try. It's just not as good. And you can, or you can use a virtual D pad and it's Oof. just like, mm, nah. If you, yeah. if you have the option and you want to play it, it Switch is the way to go. For this sure. is also later this week, Murder by Numbers. Yeah, man. Releasing on Switch and Steam, which yeah. is another. Picto, what's it's it called? Picross. Picross. But it's like in <laughs> I the, wanted to call it Picto Jet. Yeah, but it's like a mur- it's all built around a murder mystery. Like you're solving Picross puzzles to find evidence to solve a murder. It's a it good idea great. for it a game. Great. Can they f it up? Is the question. Well, yeah, of course they could f it all up. All right, but we'll yeah. see. You, you can f anything up if you yeah. want. <laughs> Try hard enough, man. Something that's not effed up, as far as I can tell, the Final Fantasy VII. Oh, remake. is that what you want to talk that's about? That's what I'm trying to steer this oh, ship okay. to the place to the. Harbor Holy filled land. with adoring fans. <laughs> uh, they released the demo on PS4 uh, this week. Honestly, like we played through it on the stream. Finished it? Yeah, okay. on the stream. And then after you guys left yesterday, I then played through it on normal by myself. With no pants on. No pants on. <laughs> Sobbing the whole time. Sobbing. Yeah, I sobbed my pants off. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, it's perfect. It's everything you want? It's just amazing <laughs> how much would you have paid for just that demo honestly yeah three hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> would you if if this was bun i guess you would have bought like if it, if it was like you know some random square game is bundled with this like you have to buy final fantasy oh. six for sixty dollars but it comes with the final fantasy seven demo right. they would never do that what a silly <laughs> idea buy brave friends or musashi's remake to get <laughs> exactly. the demo for this yeah yeah uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. I was like, what if just the entire game got canceled? <laughs> and I was thinking about, like, I know this is an effed up thought, but, like, I just love this experience so much. It's like, kind of like, you know, when I was bummed out seeing Rise of Skywalker in theaters, I went back and watched some of those trailers, and I was like, yeah, this is as good as it gets, man. Like, just peak <laughs> excitement. I feel like this demo is just, like, mwah, for, like, understanding and learning the mechanics even more. Like, I've played it so many times with the trade show demos. I, If you watch the stream, I clearly forgot the basics of how it worked <laughs> but uh then like taking my time and going through it off camera last night i was able to really soak it in it's like i just feel like it is such a smart system of having that action focused but still you can pause it effectively at any moment there's still the active time you know atb moving up and you're still having the option of being more strategic and then layering in the staggering and like the barrett charge move i just feel like they've added so many brilliant layers to that combat yeah in a way that i haven't seen from square in a long time i mean i would be excited about just on the combat alone, I would be excited about that game yeah. if it wasn't called Final Fantasy, I think. Like, right. that's how much I immediately was like, I like this. Like, it feels like a middle ground between Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts 3, which is, like, a yeah, really good. sweet spot. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3 combat is good. Is that right? I love Kingdom Hearts 3 combat, yeah. Okay. I mean, you, I, I'm with you on other elements of yeah. Kingdom Hearts, but I really like the combat in Kingdom Hearts a lot. Like, that's huh. the thing that pulls me through those games. So, But I, yeah, I'm with you. I really liked the demo a lot. Good. Yeah. Anything else stand out to you? The music. In a big way, even I, and oh, I, don't get him started. I, I don't even have nostalgia for that game yeah. really. And I was like, this soundtrack is really good. I think they also um, like the level. It's it's louder than I think I'm used to soundtracks being in in a weird oh, way. Oh, interesting. Like I think they they turn it up a little bit, and I think it's worthy. It's good. They <laughs> like, should turn it up so that it automatically uh, just blows all your speakers because uh, it's that good. <laughs> and and it's it like, just sounds like crap for the rest of the game because your right. speakers have that's been blown. Right. But it's not only the composition, oh. but just like slowly seating in like okay we're gonna have like in the opening section they're seeding like hints of the world map music in it's like these subtle remixes and then the part that kills me is just like 
the transitions and how fluid the music is of like transitioning. Okay, we're gonna have the battle theme here, transition back to uh, doing the bombing mission music here. It's just like every musical transition, even like, okay, cueing a cutscene where we're going in the elevator, how that spikes. It's just like other They made world. this for you. <laughs> I mean, for a lot of people out there. And so the part that's really interesting to me is reading comments on our YouTube channel and elsewhere, a lot of people are like, oh boy, this voice acting's embarrassing. And maybe I have a low bar, man. I'm playing through Dirge of Cerberus right now. You want to talk about <laughs> voice acting and, and overall writing? But like, that is definitely the part that I am most worried about with this game. But playing through, I was like, oh no, I think I think it's solid. Especially yeah. coming from a company like Square, which is not known for their compelling uh, voice work coming out of Japan. But like, I feel like they pulled it off fine. Yeah, and I, I don't know any of those characters and don't have any love for them, but I thought they were all fine like the the voice performances were great i thought and the characters were completely fine as well like i i didn't i know that barrett's supposed to be annoying and i can see how people would think that he's but, just aggressive yeah yeah and and he just he he felt like a perfectly fine character it doesn't seem like the kind of character where i'm gonna be like oh this effing guy's opening his mouth again i hate this right you know which i do have with other games you'll but, have that with kate Sith later on in the game <laughs> okay. in part two maybe yeah. maybe yeah. but that'll be 10 years from now so. but there's like smart details even I didn't expect in the demo that weren't in the trade show demo either but like when you're making your way to the first reactor there and Barrett's just like he's like what are you 20 something and Cloud's oh, yeah, like I'm, a- he's like I'm first he's like what like Cloud thought he was talking about his rank in soldier so is or like division in soldier game? is that dialogue from the original not game not at all okay yeah, which is like weird. It, but I loved it I was like that is such an interesting bit of insight that Cloud is just so disassociated from his past and connecting with who he is personally in any level. He's just like, why would you ever care about my age? Like, it's this dumb little moment, but it's like, I, that really hit me. Of like, yeah. yes, that is a good dynamic. And even just, I mean, it's so stretched out, obviously, compared to the beginning. I mean, the first, the demo is like the first, or it's an hour long, roughly. And in the main game, that section is six minutes. I mean, it yeah. really goes by fast. But just like stretching it out and really getting to soak in. And I think they do a good job of just showing how much Avalanche needs cloud of like okay we hired this merc we seriously need this muscle we don't trust him fully but just like it explores those characters in a way Although Barrett, he does, a couple times doesn't he say something like we could do this without you it's like you hired cloud like why are you being so mean to him but he clearly like, needs him right i well, mean yeah, like, yeah, and yeah it's so stupid but like i get emotional thinking about like oh man it's such like a fun note for them to start out on and then just obviously knowing where everything goes i just sit back and it's like these guys are going to go on one hell of a journey together, man. <laughs> and, like, seeing Avalanche, like, built up, like, Biggs and, and Wedge and Jesse, it's like, man, even those characters, like, it's just, it changes your emotions about, like, man, really getting to soak in yeah. these folks. Are you going to be all right when this comes out? No, I'm not going to be all right. We're going to have to do a deepest dive for sure. But specifically, the part that blows my mind is uh, Wedge is voiced by Badger from Breaking I was, Bad. I was actually going to circle back to that because we were talking about voice acting, where I did have a moment where I was like, that. Sounds like Matt Jones. Like, mm-hmm. is that that's that's his name, right? Yeah. I think it's Matt. Did you and, know that? Yeah, because I know him from oh other God. stuff, even outside of Breaking Bad, uh, oh. like Home. Everyone knows he was played the character Kyle in the movie. Wait, Home. the PlayStation game? <laughs> no, no. But I did have a moment on the sort of topic of voice acting where I was like, oh, oh wow, they got that caliber of actor, you know? Yeah. And I looked at the IMDb page, and it was he's probably the most notable actor as far as I right. can tell. So it did. It almost set this like. 
unreasonable uh, per, like perception for me of like, oh man, they're going to have like well-known like TV actors and maybe even some movie actors in here where it's like, I think, but most of the other cast is like, you know, voice actors from yeah. other games. Well, just like. Robert Downey as Sephiroth is the <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they had Lance Bass as Sephiroth before, so uh, yeah. that really happened. <laughs> so wait, why don't you like Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. But no, it's weird because didn't they have um, Jesse from Breaking Bad? He was in Kingsglaive, the Final Fantasy 15 movie, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, and well, and also the woman from Game of Thrones was in Yeah, Lena Headey was in there, yeah, yeah. for sure. But uh, yeah, the voice actor for Cloud, I was expecting to be annoyed by him, he's but good. it's like, yeah. pretty subdued, but like, he's not as cool as a cucumber as some takes on Cloud have been, which have been really annoying, but it's like, yeah, he's solid. I looked it up. Okay, he was in the Starving Games, the <laughs> crappy Hunger Games parody. Also, half Native American. It's like one of those things. Right. Like, oh, that's pretty rare. That's interesting to see. Like interesting associated for cloud in there and stuff. But uh, difficulty was something people have been talking about a lot online. Definitely harder than I expected for a demo. Yeah. I mean, for a first boss, it takes a while. And then even after that first boss, like making the run out of the reactor, it's like, oh, I cloud died when I was just playing on my own. Like it hmm. takes. More work than I expected. I'm curious how that scaled for them trying to offer you a challenge for the demos. You really have to pay attention to the mechanics versus how it's going to be balanced in the final game. But if normal is as challenging throughout the game as it is in that demo, it's like, okay, they really expect you to understand the mechanics more than you'd expect. Hmm. Uh, so that's, that's fun there. Um, let's see. Other things to cover? Oh, the the chat was like blown away and we shouldn't let it slide by just how good the game looks. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. playing on a base PS4 and it's like, Jesus Christ. It's... They spared no expense. <laughs> like you can tell, like, in some of the hairs, there's a little bit of, like, they're kind of, uh, you see a little bit of artifacting yeah. in their hair and they stuff. They use the Dreams engine. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Uh, they actually just built off that one <laughs> Dreams game. And oh, said, oh we could right. just make a whole game out of this. Um, <laughs> but besides that, like, all the environments and stuff. Like, there is that look of, like, uh, we mentioned this during the stream, but like some of the outfits look like, hey, here's this like very simple costume that we had to design because it was like from the PlayStation era, but the, and then we just made a very like accurate model of it for this one. But like Barrett, I think his costume is like kind of notably different. He's an anti Jesse costume guy. He can't. No, stand I, I, I don't even. I actually kind of like Jesse as a character. It's just like her outfit looks very much like that is what. Uh, if you were playing that game in 1997, uh, that's what you imagine that character actually looks like. Versus like now, if they were to create that character now, her her mm -hmm. outfit would be very different. I think. Right, right. Over designed, you might yeah. say. I'm tickled pink by the idea that you've played a little bit of seven. Yeah, I probably played like the first eight hours. Okay, so you know. But yeah. I think it's so fun for you two not to know what's going to happen in this game, mm -hmm. um, and hopefully one or both of you can join us for the deepest dive just to experience this stuff for the first time. Because like even some of the things you were talking about yesterday, it's like oh. I know I'm too close to it, but I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for you to see where this goes and stuff. Just having no frame of reference for what's going to happen here. But then in my mind, it's like, well, the most interesting stuff is kind of in that second disc area. So mm. it's like, you know, it's Never still, not going to see for a long you're time. You're not going to get anywhere near it. Of course not. It's going to take way too long. Are you going to finish Final Fantasy before you finish Red Dead? Maybe. 100% he will. 100% <laughs> yeah. he will. Uh, but Kyle, uh, you're big... Uh, Pleasure Cruise this week. Okay. <laughs> Half-Life Alex. Yeah. They released I'm a bunch of new gameplay. Getting on that cruise. Yeah. Me they released Alex. gameplay footage. We have reactions on our site of you in your uh, closet at home going, ooh, ooh ah. ah. Oh, by the way, the, all the comments are talking about how I didn't understand how the movement worked. That's right. Did, but I, by the end, I did figure it out. Did you end up cutting that? Yeah, but no one watches the entire video. <laughs> they yeah, see you true. spend the first four minutes yeah. be like, got a comment now. <laughs> yeah, but the three, yeah, the three, there's they, well, there's a couple. IGN has a bunch of stuff. They had, uh, they had, actually, the one I watched this morning, they have like a 13-minute video where they actually have commentary from folks at Valve. 
Oh, really? Yeah, that sounds which, great. Which is cool. Um, and then they Valve on their official YouTube channel, which Serial, you've watched as well, I think, right? They have three yeah, gameplay the, videos. Yeah, those three videos I've seen, yeah. And then those the thing about those three videos is each one shows a little a different little section of the game, but it also shows a different way you can play. Yeah. Um, and I was initially disappointed by the fact that it's like that pretty standard VR 3D movement where you like, you know, send a hologram out in front of you and zip to it. Teleporting, yeah. Yeah, which is like... I, I, I don't know. I guess I was hoping Valve would come up with like a, a more interesting solution to that. Even the tunneling thing? Yeah, or something, but like I it's it's good. Like it'll be fine. I think I'm probably gonna play where you have full control. Because I'm I've gotten to a point now where like initially that kind of stuff will give you nausea, but I've played enough VR where I think I can handle it now. It seems cool too in that yeah. middle video where they really kinda take your time and Alex is kind of like leaning through stuff. Like little moments stood out to me in those videos of like, okay, there's a door locked, and then she like leans in to like look through the glass to like like, look at the lock thing it's like okay it's those subtle things where it's not back of the box material but at the same time it's like okay this will be cool to experience in vr to be this close and be this intricate with the environment i mean even yeah like i think that's a good way to phrase it it's like you won't it's not a bullet point on the back of a box game that will probably never have a box i guess i don't know will there be a physical version of they love orange boxes (laughs) that's true but like even they uh there's a video where it shows like a big combat scenario and like using the door uh, on a car this just like dilapidated car like opening the door with your left hand and shooting with your right and stuff like that is like is really cool and it's just like that's the kind of stuff that like you don't really think about like it's i don't know i I think that's going to be what's interesting about that game is like the way you'll be able to interact with the environment will be like stuff that would have had to have been mapped to like a button yeah. in a pre in a, like a normal shooter. Even you know? stuff like the part that really wowed me is in that third video when she has a grenade, chucks it out, somebody chucks the grenade back, she catches it and then whips it yeah. at them again. It's like it's those just like fluid fun things yeah. that we'd all do in a war zone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Flawlessly. Yeah. 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 And it's, it, there was uh, some interesting stuff from IGN's commentary video where they were talking about because they show like the sort of introductory like tutorial area and they were talking about how uh, they kind of had to re they, like things like training someone how to reload in VR. Like normally, someone would come into a game with that knowledge. You just hit X or whatever. But here, they you actually you have clips that you ha- like store on your back, and it, it when you reload, it it does that thing where like you know how in, we've become so accustomed to reloading a gun, and it's like if you have three bullets left in the chamber, they just it just comes those bullets come forward. Mm-hmm. Well, in this game, like if you don't fire your full clip and try to reload, you're you're gonna lose that ammo. So it's like right. there's like that little extra level of like uh, we've played Escape from Tarkov. We yeah. understand everything. <laughs> I mean, about it's reloading not. It's, I mean, this isn't the Valve didn't like come up with it or anything. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think it's like and I and, and normally that would kind of bug me in a game, but I think it'll work here because like because you're like actually holding the clip and like mm-hmm. it, physically putting it into the gun. I think it'll just give you a better like understanding of like counting your own ammo and stuff like that. Uh, I I really like what I've seen. It's it's. It's cool. Did you sure. learn anything from these videos or this new wave about the lore? What's going on here? There's stuff like, I'm not, you know, I played Half-Life 1, yeah. but I'm not a big Half-Life guy. And so just even the stuff of like using the alien biology and tech and stuff, I was like, is this part of Half-Life? Like com- using the Combine you, stuff that much? In Half-Life 2, you you do. Okay. I think you use some of their mm-hmm. weapons. And then you can step on certain things that will give you health. And the idea yeah. is I mean, like, the, the, they, I think they had one of those machines where like you run up and it's like a healing station basically. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but this, they said in the commentary that like that you actually had to find a vial with like this like alien creature in it and mm-hmm. insert it into the health machine. And they said like one of the reasons they did that is because as they were playtesting, which they've playtested the hell out of this game, which is like Valve always does a lot. Um, they said that like players were just 
interested in sort of like exploring rooms because that's the thing that's the thing about vr is like it's just fun to look around mm -hmm. an environment so like rather than just have like a healing station that is just a sort of hurdle so that you can get back into the fighting they actually integrate things like you there's an opportunity to search the room and find things because in vr like that's fun to do so they wanted to give more opportunities for you to just like look around you know which i think is smart yeah 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 for sure the um i think watching those videos i came to this realization of like this is going to be I would think I was expecting it more last year. You know, there was like every year there's like that vocal minority where it's like, you idiots, this is obviously game of the year. You know, last year is a little bit for like Disco Elysium, I feel like, or like maybe an Astral Chain crowd, something like that. Mm. Watching these videos, is like, this is going to be that situation, I think, where the people who That's are all that. in on VR are like, holy God, you guys, <laughs> this is so amazing. Everyone else is like, for the we love watched of a God, couple. please play this. Yeah. I think it's going to be the mantra yeah. by the end of the year, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. yeah, I think, it. you know, there are a lot of barriers to that game. Obviously, you have to have a, a VR headset and Valve expects you to buy, have a pretty nice PC and also buy their $1,000 headset to play it. And I, I don't think that's an unfair criticism, but in terms of like, if you have that stuff already, yeah, there's no reason not to yeah. get this game at this I point. I mean, do you feel like one of the main reasons that you bought a Quest recently? Oh, I like, it is literally the reason I bought one. Oh, there you go. To just, but You're I also probably have, not alone there, yeah. I also have like a pretty good D, like PC already. True. But yeah. it's like, if you were kind of used to being a console gamer, or, like don't have a good PC, I can totally see the idea of like, oh, I'm, they're forcing me to upgrade my PC and get a VR headset. Yeah. But I think at this point, you know, you can make a pretty good case for, for a good PC. And um, increasingly, you can make a good case for just having a VR headset. Like, yeah. I think the Quest is probably the one to get. Okay, so hang on. I'm still confused about this. Quest is a standalone one, but you can do some fancy you, linky thing. Yeah, if you have, like, a, a, a certain kind of uh, USB-C cable, you can attach it to the to the Oculus, and it'll be it'll basically work like a Rift. Where you can really? play games using run games off your computer, so I think that's probably the solution that most people will get. Oh, that's interesting. But the index is like apparently sold out, you know, everywhere. So it's like people are getting either Valve isn't making enough, or people are really psyched about this. But yeah, it it it, is, it it does feel like it is for a certain audience. But I think that, um, you know, like I I, w I would prefer that they do this versus like having these ambitions for a VR game, but but then kind of like, well, we also have to make it a regular game. I'd rather the game invest in like, yeah. if we have the opportunity to make uh, a game that uses like everything we have at our disposal at the cost of making it a regular game, I'm kind of into that. Mm -hmm. To just say like, here's what we can do if, you have a, if we dis design exclusively for VR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other little things like you, you will, up, you, you find things in the environment that you exchange for upgrades. Which is like totally new to Half Life. The yeah. only thing you find in Half Life is new guns, mm -hmm. really. Yeah, so there's that's... not there's not like a, a a lot of progression in that no, sense. No, yeah. Do you guys have waves of epiphanies of realizing, oh my god, a new Half Life game is coming out in a couple <laughs> weeks? I mean, playing Half Life Two, uh, it, it I was hit with it like, oh yeah, they they just don't resolve. Yeah, they don't resolve the storyline, and it's been 13 years since there was any like. I mean, there's some like Half Life stuff in Portal Two, but like, yeah, the, it was just you know kind of hinting at stuff. But yeah, the idea that this franchise has not continued, and like this is another, this is the thing that people wanted for so long, and it's like I I can totally see why people would see it as a monkey's paws. Like, oh, you're getting a new v, a new Half Life game. It's a VR game though. But right. yeah, uh, yeah, watching those gameplay videos, it, it does feel like uh, I saw what they meant by like there are certain action 
in in this game that feel like if we were to map it to buttons, it'd be a little confusing. Like the thing with the door, yeah. you have to like hold down the square button or something and then move the analog stick to open and open and shut it. And you have to justify it, the fact that you can do that. But here, because it is so natural, it's just like a cool yeah. thing you get to I do. I mean, in that in that context, like it would, if it were in just like a normal like shooter, it would be like, all right, time to activate the unlock the door animation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And it would just be very like specific and you would stop everything you're doing. But in VR, it just feels like a natural part of the world. And, and even, it, yeah. even just the, like the way you move, you think about like uh, encounters in Half-Life. You're like, you're running around that arena constantly, which is not something you're going to be able to do. Yeah. So it gets yeah. you to rethink like how am I approaching encounters assuming that I can't just like run backwards and shoot things that are coming at me yeah. because like that's not a fe- that's not a thing you can feasibly do here and so you are approaching those combat scenarios differently and they have to design around that so there's like, like even though it's not like this mind like blowing thing of like oh this is yeah this is totally different even just watching the videos there are a lot of subtle like differences going on under the hood that yeah. you can't appreciate until you actually play the game it's, I think it's going to be more of like a cover shooter yeah than, than you think but you in a way I mean? that like feels natural like yeah. that doesn't feel like okay well you're you know here's where you kind of stick to cover and you can like take cover from like however long away and you'll slide right into it yeah whereas it feels like you're doing you're it's a cover shooter because that is how you want to approach combat yeah, not because you want to keep your head down yeah not <laughs> yeah. yeah and because you can't run everywhere and not because we've really designed this cover system that we're going to force you to use yeah. Yeah. yeah did you see our dear friend, oh. Benjamin Reeves, over at Game Informer, he had an article with Robin Walker from Valve. That's right, yeah. Did you read that? I have not read it yet. Well, I'm sorry, Ben Reeves, if you're listening. Hey, get a load of this. Oh. Uh, the last question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say that. No. Oh, we're summoning the song. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, Reeves asks, hey, do you think that Alex will give fans some closure on the end of episode two? That's a good question. And Robin says... It's not a bad idea for players to have refreshed themselves on the events of episode two before starting Half-Life Alex. Okay, so her dad is going to be a clone, and she's mm. going to learn that her real dad's just been home the whole time. <laughs> so, hey, what are you going to do? Do you think this is because people were suspecting, based on the dialogue in that reveal trailer, that like, oh, is this going to be a weird split where part of it's before Half-Life 2 and then part of it's taking place after Half-Life 2 episode 2? And this seems to kind of... Reconfirm that, yeah. don't you think? I mean, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm I'm pessimistic about that. Really? I think it would more just like I don't I I don't see there being a time jump. Because one thing about Half Life One and Two and all the episodes is it's very much a real time story. Like that is an integral that is like an interesting facet of mm-hmm. Half Life is everything happens in real time. Even when you time travel in Half Life Two, it's still from the per- perception of Gordon and you're still seeing it in, in real time. So like unless Alex travels forward in time and sees the future i i don't know i i i'm not sure i don't know i don't know what i don't know what she's saying there robin you said right that's right yeah i notorious I'm liar <laughs> notorious liar i don't think it's a lie i just no. think it's like it's just like maybe elements of half-life alex will feed thematically like, well, well sure. not even thematically but just like there will be things established that will have paid off later in half-life 2 it's like oh i remember that part in half-life 2 right. this part of alex is a, like, well, then she wouldn't you know. say, she says, you want to refresh yourself before starting half of Alex. If it's just planting seeds that don't come to fruition until episode two, well, then, then I, you could play that after. But she says specifically play it before. Yeah. I don't know. I would love I would love to get some closure on the end of episode two because yeah. there is a huge cliffhanger at the end of episode two for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, then so. also uh, they're talking about possibly making more Half-Life in the future. And she goes on to say, hey, there are also people on the team for whom Half-Life Alex is their first time working on the series at all. And many of them certainly hope it's not the last. 
we absolutely see Half-Life Alex as our return to this world, not the end of it. It's very exciting. All right, yeah. Good closure sure. there. Good times. Did you see that Death Stranding PC stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot to say, but it has, like, it's coming to PC in June. Yep. And it's going to have Half-Life stuff in it. Like, uh, why, why can't I remember? Head crabs? Yeah, you'll be able to, like, you can have, like, a head crab hat, and you can also wear Alex's, like, glove thing. And that stuff is also going to be on the Epic Games Store. Are you serious? Yeah, isn't that weird? That is very weird. Yeah. They so. really clarified that? Yeah. Yeah, I reached out to them and got wow. confirmation. I'm yeah. still amazed that it's, yeah, it's coming to both. Yeah. I thought it was like, oh, for sure, this seems like the type of thing that would be an Epic Games Store exclusive. But yeah. nope, no, it's coming out in everything in June. It's going to be a fun second wave for Death Stranding. I yeah, think, are you, so. you think you'll finish it then? Yeah, you know. You should, man. You really I know, should. I know. Look, it's on the backlog. I'll get back to it <laughs> any, any second here. Um, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Surreal, yeah. Vasquez. This is a That's new fighting me. game from the team Arc Systems Works, obviously that worked on Dragon Ball Fighters mm-hmm. and Guilty Gear. That's your right, baby boy. Um, <laughs> my baby. They worked on my baby boy. <laughs> they're about to. Oh, Grand well. Blue Fantasy Versus. How is it? Uh, I like it. I think it's. Uh, I don't necessarily like it as much as Dragon Ball, but I think what I'm most impressed by is how it. It's very good about meeting players halfway. Uh, when it comes to learning the actual ins and outs of the game, so there's there's a lot of mechanics even in the just like in the base fighting itself that feel like uh, they want you to start off low and then and then slowly build your way up to kind of the the harder parts. So um, for one, you, because Grand Blue Fantasy is based on like a mobile game, they have these very simple inputs for all of the special moves. If you press the R one button, you just fire off a special move, and then it's like it's sort of like a Smash Brothers thing where. Yeah directional and B um, but if you use if you use those they'll have lower they'll have cooldowns and you won't be able to use them for a little bit longer but if you you know you do a fireball motion you actually you can spam them a little more quickly so they are kind of slightly encouraging you to like okay you can once you figure out how to use the fireball maybe go and learn how to do a fireball or an uppercut yeah kind of and just I was playing this morning and just like in terms of teaching new players who aren't used to fighting games how the game works and stuff like that they do something so smart which is because it's based on the mobile uh, rpg in japan uh which you know has roots with like uh umatsu like the final fantasy composer he worked on that game and also like the art director from final fantasy 5 6 and 9 uh so it has like some weird final fantasy roots but i think because of those roots the game has a mode that's just rpg mode right and, and it's like a little bit subspace emissary you know we're just like working to these environments yeah. taking out smaller folks along the way and then like a surprisingly complex like uh gear equipment system and you can upgrade all your weapons and there's different like elements to your weapons like it's a surprisingly rpg infused fighting right. game I, I think the structure around it is is pretty interesting but like in in practice it's a little boring because for the most part you are kind of fighting ways and, and so far i haven't felt the need to experiment with like okay well this is a win thing you want to go into into this thing with the wind because all the enemies will be weak to it but so far it's just been like me spamming the attack button even uh, like the bosses i think the bosses are a little more interesting because they'll yeah. have like they'll be, they're basically MMO bosses in that okay you're fighting this giant colossus thing but every once in a while it'll like fire off these little lasers that are like hey don't be here uh like don't stand in this area otherwise you'll just get destroyed and so you move out of the way and you he fires the, the laser off and you come back in and those are pretty interesting but i i feel like uh so far i haven't been forced to use a lot of like the customization or like even really think about the rpg stuff uh and so from what i've heard it doesn't feel like it really 
that never really happens where you're kind of out leveling a lot of the content and it's pretty easy. But I think as like structurally, I'm kind of interested. Uh, the story isn't really doing much for me. I, think- I, I was expecting a better on ramp there because like, man, I don't know anything about the story for the Grand Blue Universe. Okay. But that was oh my big question because the RPG is not in North America, no. right? So yeah. like, do you? It's is not it like impenetrable. Like-, like they they try and work up like who these characters are and how their relationships are, but. I was expecting a better introduction to that world than just Alicia. What's she doing on the Empire side? Yeah, and it's like they'll they'll have a lot of one sentence, like kind of throwaway things. It was like, why is Lydia following Gran around? Oh, well, their fates are bound together, or whatever. Just like go with it, (laughs) Uh, whatever. uh, So I think I think if one of them dies, they both die, or whatever. And then, but like they they kind of start with this thing where Catalina, which is uh, you know who's supposed to be your friend, is like very she's very standoffish and she's trying to capture Lydia. And Gran is thinking like, well, why 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 is why is she like this? But as someone who had had no experience with these characters, I'm just like, well, that, I, I don't know why Catalina would be your friend in the first place. Like, right, right. Uh, so, you know, and there's a lot of like, well, everyone's kind of like corrupted or whatever. And you're trying to slowly turn your party around, like all the people that are your friends ostensibly into your party members and stuff. Um, but, you know, as someone who's not familiar with that stuff, like I, like the world didn't really do much. Yeah. I would just kind of I would read all the things and kind of try to absorb them. And by the, the if you had to ask me a question about like who what who's the empire? Like, oh, dude, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The sorcerer's EO. I think she's like the leader of an empire. I don't, dude. I don't know. Don't ask me. So as the star <laughs> of the show, I mean, visually, we should point out the game looks awesome. Like yeah. imagine having. I mean, it's not to a level of a Guilty Gear or a. I mean, it's, level, I, I think, think it, but... I think it's a little. It's iterative of like Exert, but I don't think it's like it is not like them using the. Uh, like the stuff they're going to do in Strive, which looks a lot better. Right, right. But just seeing that in like a fantasy look and having fantasy weapons and stuff in yeah. that environment, I think it's a really good look. Yeah. And like, uh, I think if you're interested, I, this is maybe like on a simple level, in a way that I, it's accessible in a way that I don't think Dragon Ball might be, in that it's a little more manageable. So like, you have a block button, which is not a thing that Dragon Ball or Guilty Gear has, but you can block directionally and you're kind of, you you are rewarded for it. But if you just want to say, okay, I don't know what, I don't want to do with cross-ups, which is like where they kind of do a thing where it's like, is it left or right? You can just press block and kind of just get out of, it's a jail out of, get out of jail free card, right? But then on top uh, of block, I love the also have the dodge button too where your character kind of goes yeah. like, and just like leans back which is so right. fun when a projectile's coming for you then you can just do that and right. it goes right by you. And you can even do like a dodge forward so it's like someone's going to do a dash attack you can like dash dash forward and then get behind them and basically trade corners with them and that like that those are really smart things um but it's never like okay this guy's gonna do two aerial attacks and then he's gonna do an air dash because there's no air dashing and he's gonna cross me up and then he like it, it, it is slower than a lot of anime games so it feels a little bit more manageable um so i think you, if like if you want to get started with anime fighting games this is a pretty good place to start and they have like a really like long-winded well not long-winded but like very thorough uh teaching mechanism and like they have all these missions where it's like okay block high or low block left or right but then they're like they get into really specific stuff like um like there's a character called Lil Wayne who's 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 I'm sorry Lil Wayne the rapper no, Lil Wayne not oh, okay. Little Wayne mm. uh, and he like his whole thing Lil Wayne's his father is that he's <laughs> meant to be annoying like he has a he he'll have a, a fireball quote unquote where he launches because he's a group of guys basically he's uh, a group of guys <laughs> yeah it's like he, it's like his character is like you play as multiple of him okay, so one yeah. of the things is that he'll like he'll say hey go out and attack and they'll do either a low or a high. Uh, and so, and his he has a super where they summon a goddess, and um, like her whole thing is that she like 
turns into a boss where it's like, oh, okay, like depending on what buttons you press as the super is out, you'll have like, okay, the fire, uh, the fire is going to erupt out of the ground. There's going to be lightning and come down, and you're like, as the opponent who's taking all that in, you you need to dodge all of that stuff actively. And so, like, you know, he's kind of. Um, a popular character online because if you're low on health there's a very low chance that you're going to evade all of it so it's almost like free damage unless you know how to deal with it but like in those missions they're like okay here's how to deal with this stuff or like here's here's this character um fairy who's kind of like dalsim and that she's like meant to keep you away or like zeta and they'll be like okay how do how do you close the distance on this character because i think when you play online there's uh, a lot of like well how am i supposed to deal with it like someone will do something you've never seen before and you're like what am i supposed to do to stop it like they they directly <laughs> answer some of those most most basic questions in that training mode. And I yeah. think that's a really cool thing to, for them to do. Yeah. Um, so you're enjoying it. I feel yeah. like uh, something we do on this podcast a lot is like we talk about a game, but like never come to a conclusion about it. You know, oh, like, sure. yeah. Yeah. would you recommend this game? I think it's, for me, it'll be probably like a good appetizer for Strive. I think this is the next I, I kind of like how manageable it is. I do want to, I, I do want to play more of it, but I don't know that I'll stick around for so long because like Gramble is just not my thing. I'm not going to, like I have, I, I like Catalina because she looks cool and I, I might play uh, Fairy because she's like the keep away character. Um, but beyond that, it's like, I don't have any uh, like, in like intense fascination for any of these characters. So I don't think I'll stick around for too long. And it's tough to have, in the West. I mean, yeah. maybe if it came out after Relink, which is the game that Platinum, the action game that Platinum was working on, yeah. and then Side Games took it back wholly. It's a confusing spread was it, was of the Was there just like Grand some Blue rearrangement Brand. of release dates or something where this just happens to be the sort of first wave of Grand Blue? Like, was it? I don't yeah, know. I, 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 I don't know what they're, because you would think that they would have released the mobile game because there are direct ties. Like, you can get a code for a thing yeah. in, the, in the mobile game in this, but if, like, if you're in the U.S., like, in, explicitly you're not supposed to use it because the game isn't out but i mean it almost feels like they should have just sat on it for a while yeah or something you know yeah but i guess i don't know i think they actually probably wanted to get this out before strive uh because like because i think that's kind of like the one that they're probably all focused in on now um i mean maybe they'll boost it you know again like they'll just when grand blue kind of makes a bigger splash like yeah hey this one this one's good it's been out for a rpg but Yeah. yeah so i like i can't say that i'll stick with it long term but right now you know i want to learn and get better at it so i'll probably play some more matches but yeah yeah do you ever get sick of fighting games Sometimes, but yeah. like it, it, it kind of just depends on the game, you know. Like I think Grand Blue, will, I'll probably play for a little while, uh, but you know, uh, there, I, there, like I have Destiny and I have other stuff to play, so like I can bounce back and forth. But there, are everyone's there. Like I, I will probably um, not be super invested in Grand Blue, like I said. But there are other games where I wouldn't want to invest a little bit more, like Dragon Ball. So. Right, right. Um, so in the same way that Side Games is expanding. With Relink and Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, stuff like that. Uh, I remember when Riot Games started to spread out and they contracted a bunch of indie studios to be like, hey, do you want to make a League of Legends game? And then one of the other projects they announced in that same wave was their hero shooter, mm. which is now officially called Valorant. Have you looked into Valorant much? I saw a couple of screenshots. I saw one of the characters and, and like the art style looks like this weird in between. Be- like it looks like halfway between like Rainbow Six Siege and Overwatch, where it's like a li- they're a little bit more stylized, but they're not as like they don't look like Pixar characters the way that like, yeah uh, Overwatch. I think stuff the game does. in a lot of ways, reading the previews and stuff, Ryan Shea Game Four had a preview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it is Counter Strike meets Overwatch, okay. which That's, is Counter Strike is the refrain that I've been hearing. Yes, a lot. yeah. yeah. Okay. So like it's Counter Strike in the way that like you know uh, when you die, you don't come back team wipe all that stuff so it's not like overwatch in that way but the style it has like that perfect subtle yeah uh abstract style to help it age a little bit better but yeah imagine overwatch meets counter-strike with the funding of riot 
free to play releasing this summer, I think it's going to be one of the biggest games of the year. Yeah. Especially yeah. if PC this summer, and if they can get day one on next gen, which it'd be stupid not to try and push for that, a free to play, great looking tactical first person right, shooter. Yeah. Done. The That's going to be Warframe a cement. effect. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. The, the one question I have about that is. Is the fact that it's like Counter-Strike, obviously Counter-Strike is super popular, but is it going to blow up the way that Fortnite does, which I think is much more approachable by a, mm-hmm. a lo- much larger audience, as opposed to are people are people really going to want to kind of hone their skills in order to do good at this? Maybe they'll have other modes, or maybe they'll have enough like offline options. I mean, my dream would be if they just had some split screen or something in there too, just to make yeah. it more friendly if you can play with your friends. And mm-hmm. like... I think overall, there's enough of a hardcore audience out there that is down yeah. for that, especially... Which, I mean, given how popular MOBAs are to begin with, you know, that's not exactly an approachable Well, genre even just, like, consequences with. for your death, think about how popular Battle Royales are. Yeah. To begin with. You know, mm-hmm. people aren't going to be too turned off. They're like, what do you mean, if I'm dead, it has consequences? You know, I feel like a lot of gamers yeah. out there, that's just a default at this point. Sure. Know? So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be huge. I think it looks awesome. It has, like, uh, some former Overwatch animators that moved over on the team and stuff like that. Uh, the creative director, the last game he was the creative director for was Counter Spy. Remember that? Is that a strategy game? No, no that was, was like, like the, a side-scrolling kind yep. of like stealth game. Yep, stylized oh. stealth game and stuff. Right. But it's exciting to see Riot Games release new stuff. Mm. Yeah, you like, know? I have no love for League of Legends, really, but like I'm interested in all this stuff as almost yeah. like an alternate path to like, all right, what is? Let me get into this world by way of a shooter. You know, like right. I'm excited about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I wanted to touch on this news too. I thought this was pretty wild. I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, but uh, like Stadia has announced a new studio. Mm. It's almost the year anniversary since the reveal of Stadia, and <clears throat> I understand it's not uh, taking off uh, in a big <laughs> way at this point. But I still hold true. Once they get out of this early phase and actually make it free for everybody, there's still a chance for Stadia. Yeah, I, I'm rooting for Stadia. Yeah. I want it to do well. I don't know if it will, but okay, it's cool. Ready to get lit up for saying that, dude? Like, I guess. <laughs> but, so they announced a new studio. So they had one studio in Montreal that Jade Raymond w- was heading there. <clears throat> they announced a new one in Southern California, next to Santa Monica. What is it? Playa Vista? Playa Vista? Um, but the crazy thing is that it's headed up by Shannon Studstill who is from Sony Santa Monica. Mm. Like she's leaving Sony Santa Monica, and she's been there forever. She's been there since Connecticut. I mean, since the earliest days of that studio. And she's <laughs> such an important important voice at that studio for, like, consistency. And the idea of, like, that studio running, especially the God of War sequel, which we can imagine is in development, like, without Shannon steering the ship and being a good well, barrier be to door, at least, right? Yeah, she can wave and say hi, but then also, like, no Corey Shake Barlog. Shake her head when they hold up screenshots. Of the That's right. Don't do it. But then, like, Corey Barlog isn't going to be creative director on that yeah. one. I just feel like that studio is changing more than we realize, right? Just with those two figures kind of shifting around. Yeah. But, yeah, did, it's crazy. Did you hear the other big Stadia update today? No. The screenshot button works now. Boom! That's what got her. She's like, <laughs> come calling back once you get the screenshot button. Then you got uh, Shannon on your team, But uh, baby. They, they did, uh, today, I think the update went out for Stadia, or as of uh, Wednesday of this week, where you can now, the screenshot button records videos and screenshots, and, you know. So that's so great. Stunning. The Stadia Reddit had four additional posts today. It's insane. <laughs> They're on top of things. Blowing up. Uh, hey, do you guys know how this whole thing operates? Two ends. 
You got it. What a well-oiled team we are here in the MinMax basement. Uh, this is a Patreon. Uh, listening to the podcast is step one. If you want to go deeper, and we encourage that you do it, um, you Please. can support us at any tier on Patreon. Then you get access to the Discord, which is uh, the ultimate God's country, Shangri-La, the nicest community on Earth. Uh, you can leave comments, questions, words of wisdom for us to read during the MinBox section, opening the MinBox, all that stuff, and more tiers beyond that. We're going to be doing a deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII's remake, so you can have the audio feed for that and other things in that feed coming up real soon. Maybe there's more bonuses before that even. Um, also, Wall of Heroes. We have the TV on the set. Um, I'll be giving that an overhaul next week with kind of our visual relaunch and everything like that. But thanks to everybody that supports us at the $100 tier on Patreon. If you do that, then you get your name constantly rotating on the set, along with a picture of your choice. And if you have a picture on there currently and you want to change it, just send me a new one. Change if you're on the Wall of Heroes, make us laugh, make us cry. Uh, I did this today when I walked in. There was a new picture on there. there the a, Smack. Yeah, the, the smack, smack has joined us on the Wall of Heroes. Yeah, yeah. I, I pointed at it and I said, I nodded my head and I was like, good. Good job, the Smack. Good Kent Brockman on the TV now. Why the hell not? Put your pit on there. Let's have fun. Um, okay, supporters. Uh, no superhero cinema scoop? Oh. No. Wait, no hyperdot? Oh. But then there was one. I am 8-Bit, the champions here. Everybody, please thank and support I am 8-Bit for supporting us in a huge way. They have an online store. You can buy the physical version of the collector's edition of Inside Kyle, a lot of awesome game soundtracks. Serial, do you want to go get that box over there? Um, and also, if it, uh, everything on the store, you can use the promo code MINMAX. When you check out, well, you'll get 10% ends, right? off. Two M-I-N-N-M-I-X. I, I would Wait, hope A-X. this crowd has it. But yes, check it out <laughs> on the online store. No, 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 bring the box. Bring, bring the, the box. Put it back in. Bring we want to be surprised by the box, sir. This is a new... Surprise, everybody. This is a new fun thing. Okay, so hang on. So, real quick, too. Uh, on the online store, they want to point out that they have a soundtrack and t-shirt for Gimmick. I was like, what is this? They sent over this explanation. So... They say the story of Gimmick is the stuff of legend considered amongst collectors to be one of the greatest and rarest NES games of all time. Because it released late in the NES lifecycle, it never saw a widespread release outside of Japan, but all that changes now. Hmm. I'm 8-Bit is very proud to team with Sunsoft to finally release this timeless soundtrack and t-shirt for Gimmick. So if you want a deep cut t-shirt, an old Sunsoft NES game, check out Gimmick on their online store. Also, they have uh, the soundtrack for 1980X. Which is that game? They said 1980X is a coming of age arcade epic telling its story through an impressive breadth of retro games, platformer, racer, RPG, shooter, brawler, all jam packed into a familiar, into a rather familiar place, suburbia, sometime in the 1980s. The soundtrack is equally robust. You played a little bit. I imagine the soundtrack's great. Yeah, huh? the soundtrack I liked a lot for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So the way this works, I am 8 bit. Every month they ship us out some amazing things as a thank you to our community. So if you're a supporter on Patreon, you can leave a question every week that we'll read on the show in this section coming up. And then we have our I Am 8-Bit question of the week where we choose our absolute favorite. And then I Am 8-Bit ships them out something very nice. Here is a box of stuff that we'll be shipping out this month. Dive in, please. Jeff do you, so do you know what's in here, Hanson? I, I briefly saw a description, so I will not be fully surprised. Hang on, do they have a note in there too? They yeah. do. What does it say? Hey, Ben, don't read this on the podcast. No, it says, here's all the giveaways for March. Let me know if you have any questions. That's so very sweet. if you have sweet. any questions, reach Ooh, out to them. Answer. Thanks, I'm 8-Bit. That, it looks like... No, you're sure there wasn't anything else in that box you just shoved off uh, the desk, right? There was something glass, and it looked super expensive. <laughs> you can find it on the I Am 8-Bit yeah. store. These look like a bunch more soundtracks. Yes, they do. Let's see. Oh, look at this. We got... 
I can't see what's in front. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is oh the Gang Beast soundtrack. Oh, that's a good art. And the amazing I like thing that. is not it's not just like a vinyl soundtrack. Like this presentation is just amazing. Mm-hmm. This is all the store. So again. If you send us a question that really wows us on the podcast, you have a chance of winning Gang Peas soundtrack. Gone Home, it looks like. Gone Home, Gone home from Chris Remo, who's now at Valve, the tie into Half-Life Alex. Banner Saga. Three. Banner Saga 3 soundtrack. Sweet. Yes. Oh, my God. And Battletoads. The Battletoads, Battletoads. on vinyl. That right. is some Chaos Mountains. That is some art, all right, boy. <laughs> uh, what do you think for this week? What do you want to give away to question of the week? Uh, Battletoads. Should we do Battletoads? Sure. All right, Battletoads, you're up first. We'll leave it on the table there. Okay, open the min box. Uh, I am overwhelmed by how many amazing suggestions and questions and topics people send in. If yours didn't make the cut, I'm sorry. There's always min facts if you want to get super specific because we can't we can't not answer your questions on min facts. So <laughs> if you jump fo- up to that twenty dollar tier, yes. that's right. You got us pegged. Uh, first. Submission comes from one Imran Khan. Oh, boy. Two ends. <laughs> he says, hey, guys, a few oh, yeah, quick corrections from last week. Uh, Jeffum said that 120 frames per second is above what the human eye can visibly discern. Wait, Correct. so he, he has a correction? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is oft repeated, uh, but not actually true. The eyes are not different from other nerves in the body, which transmit information to your brain at around 200 miles an hour or up to 1,000 times per second. Yada, yada, yada. Turns out, uh, Jeff, you were uh, quite wrong in that. I'm going to punch him in the eye at 120 (laughs) frames a second next time I see him. He'll be able to see it, though. He'll He'll be able to see all the frames. How how many frames per second? And Bob, I thank you for all the YouTube comments uh, echoing Imran's correction. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out people are not a fan of Jeff, you saying that we don't need more than 60 frames per second. (laughs) Anyways, uh, also, uh, Imran says, hey, Kyle said the spin dash wasn't in the Sonic movie because they were mostly keeping it to Sonic 1 references, you're both wrong. The spin dash was in the highway chase scene, but more to the point, a pretty big part of the movie is Sonic doesn't want to go to the Mushroom Zone, Mushroom Hill, which that area is referencing is from Sonic and Knuckles. So, okay. so we're wrong. Right, on you got me, Imran. I'm sorry. Uh, Imran also says, as an aside, the highway chase scene also had the most obvious moment where Sonic's design was clearly changed without the script changing. A bomb keeps sticking to his hand, which doesn't make sense because the redesigned Sonic wears gloves, but the previous version had white fur for his hand. So oh, that yeah. is a weird thing that does not <laughs> He's just taking the glove off. Anyways, Keenan Harrell says, hey, with the surprise release of the Final Fantasy VII demo creating a fever pitch of hype, let's discuss how we want the different parts to tie together. Do you want a direct continuation of part one with the same battle system experience choices carrying over? Do you want them to iterate and change mechanics or character models for better or worse? How do you think they will actually roll out the new parts to the Final Fantasy VII remake? That's actually a super interesting question because it's going to be like five years in between them or whatever. I mean, I seriously think it's going to be at least three. Bare minimum three. Yeah. Yeah. And so you would expect things to change during that time? Yeah. You know? I think, and just like, what do they have the level starting at? I would imagine for part two, you'll be, you'll be able to import your save. I, I wonder if it'll just be approached like a sequel. You know what I mean? Like, And no connection? It's not going to share any data? That seems you like... You gotta. That would like, suck. If you do have, you gotta? If you have an inventory full of stuff that you've been saving or whatever... But they could just scale the beginning of the second part. Just like a new game. It's like going from part one to part two. You, I mean, I like, think there's opportunities you know? later on. I mean, by seven the way, stories. to be clear, like I would love for it to carry forward. I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. I, I just think that of the, the difficulty of doing that. Yeah, I, I think that they are just. I mean, especially because it's going to be cross gen mm-hmm. at that point. Like, I wonder if they will just kind of treat it as a sequel. Like they expect people to start with part two. You know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, has Square ever done that importing 
I mean, 10 to 10 2 didn't do anything like that. No. The 13? 13s? No, nothing. Yeah, Are you sure? Days. There wasn't anything? Pretty sure. I mean,. Maybe there might have been like a bonus or something, but I don't. Yeah, because those games are like even especially from thirteen to thirteen two, like you don't like. There's not a whole lot of collective tissue in terms of what you might bring over. It's a little bit different situation because it's like new characters, new story entirely. Right. So like there was no reason for them to bring any stuff. Yeah, I think you can import it. Thirteen two. You can. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. What do you bring in though? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let us know in the comments. Your emotions. Um. I. Yeah, I would expect there to be very light nods and then in the future making it more of a different thing. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I hope they iterate on the combat and improve it. Like, I don't want big sweeping changes. I don't want the yeah. second part to be like, oh, we're just going all turn-based this time. But, like, there's always opportunity to make things better. And I think know? they'll change because they're going to have such a good opportunity for part two and if they really want to stretch things out, maybe into part three of adding new characters. And just from what we've played so far, it's like Barrett controls... A little bit differently and like some of those characters get pretty freaky so if they just customize each character a little bit more i think combat will naturally evolve with each entry and stuff but yeah yes it's a it's a great question and i would love to know uh canadian says hey i hope you've all seen avatar the last airbender and the legend of korra i've seen most of korra i've seen all of korra and all of avatar i've seen five episodes of avatar i've i have not seen all of korra Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. This table's perfect. Uh, who is your personal pick as the best character overall from the Aang series and the Korra series? And then who is your favorite between those two? Hmm. Also, why have there not been more Avatar games? You got that platinum one. Why are you complaining? <laughs> Stop complaining. Uh, yeah, it's best a, character. It's been a while since I watched, but I the thing that's really smart about that show is like characters like legitimately change over the course of it and mm-hmm. improve. Like the the brother character is kind of a jerk and stupid like early on, but by the end he's like really smart and like and there's a lot of characters that sort of go through those paths, you know, mm-hmm. like the main antagonist is the best example, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm gonna go yeah. get water while you guys figure this out. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like yeah. my my favorite from Avatar is Toph, like easily, and then favorite from Korra. I guess I don't remember. I I, re- I watched it pretty recently, but I don't like uh, J.K. Simmons's character. Oh, like, Aang's father, grandfather, a grandson, Gr- grandson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I like him a lot. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you can't go wrong with J.K. Simmons. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like cheating. But then Toph is also in Korra. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I I only I've only watched the first season of of Korra. Which mm-hmm. I, I hear is actually, like, not that Korra gets bad or anything, but just, like, that first season is really strong, right? Yeah, the like first I, season is the best season of Korra. Yeah, like, I really like the sort of the threat of the first season of yeah. Korra. Like, it is, because it, it's, like, it comes short of, like, killing people, but, like, really has the potential to change people and, like, ruin their lives. And it was, like, it was scary, you know, yeah. to take away their abilities and yeah. stuff like but that. I, yeah. Also, can we give a shout-out to the uncle in Oh, Avatar? yeah, Iroh, right? Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think really he good. might be my favorite. I can't do the matchup because I haven't seen enough of Korra to sure. feel like yeah. I can weigh in on that. So, but the, watch but it, the bottom line yeah. is everyone should watch Avatar because it's way better than you probably have already prejudged it to be. Jeff Cork has stated that it's one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah. You believe that too? I I super love it. Yes, and yeah, everyone should watch it. Yeah, I mean, greatest of all time. Who who knows what's even on that list? Right. Is it better than Cheers? Yes, it's better than Cheers. Wow, <laughs> wow! People actually change and learn over the course of Avatar. Yeah. What do you mean? People are dropping out, coming into Cheers. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. They every, change and then they get more drunk. You know, like, <laughs> that's right. Every episode. Yeah. But and yes, I would also say, please, for the love of God, someone make the good Avatar game of our dreams that we all want to play. CyberConnect Two. What uh, if the achievement points were really easy though? 
Oh, Ooh. you know what? This you're onto something. <laughs> Wes Bates uh, is pleading with us. Wes Bates says, "Let's talk anime, real anime, not this American wannabe stuff." He says, "Hey, it's well established that the Dragon Ball is the most beloved series among several of the MinMax team. Um, the special Dragon Ball Z episode of the Game Informer show was actually one of my favorite Game Informer podcasts for how in depth and nerdy the conversation got. Mm. Well, then you'll love uh, earlier this episode. Um, outside of Dragon Ball, though, I was wondering which anime series or genres are your favorites." Are you watching anything right now you'd recommend? Well, Suriel and I were just talking at length yesterday about uh, My, my Hero, Hero Academia, yeah. which I think is like my favorite anime in a long time, like maybe since Dragon Ball. Like there's a lot that I love, but it has been a while since I've gotten so invested in like a, a modern new anime and like cannot yeah. wait for the new season. So like top animes in your mind is like Cowboy Bebop, Dragon Ball, My I, Hero Academia? Currently, yeah, I'd put it up there. Yeah, yeah. I really wow. like it that it's much. Yeah, super good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's X-Men, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I mean, yeah, it's it, but there's also like that's the sort of the simple explanation, but it is kind of about all kinds of heroes, like even like American superheroes and like Japanese superheroes. Like it just kind of mashes everything together. Yeah. Like the I, Imran actually was telling me once that uh, I wasn't aware of this, but like the the guy that creates it is like obsessed with the the sort of the larger idea of like uh, superheroes across the world. So like there's uh, Stain, right? Yeah. In the first, I guess, I, I, second, second season. I think it's the second Like season. he's heavily inspired by like the art of Ninja Turtles and stuff like mm. that. Like he wears like a bandana like yeah, a Ninja a Turtle. There's and, like, a lot of like mixed art styles where like characters have very different eyes and like very yeah. distinct looks that all end up looking pretty good uh, like together. It's like Spider-Verse. Yes. Well, I mean, there's like Lomillion who's kind of like the star of the, of the fourth season is kind of has like this almost like classic Mickey Mouse eyes where it's just like circles. And then Froppy has these giant like frog eyes basically. Yeah. And, um, but it so all connect, it all like it all it works. Cohesive. You know, and like I, everything I think, clicks in. Yeah. yeah. And I think my favorite thing about my hero is that it's not just the, it, like it's X-Men. Yeah. But I think it also examines like, what does it mean to be a superhero? Cause one of the, you know, the, the concession is that 80% of people have powers. But not everyone's a superhero. So the idea is that, oh. like your like your power is one thing, but utilizing, figuring out how to utilize it is what separates a normal person from a hero. So like again, Lemillion has a power that lets him face through like um, what's her name, Kitty from X Men. Yeah, yeah like he can just move through matter. Yeah. Right. But they they're more thorough with like yeah. Also, when he breathes in, when he activates his power, it doesn't affect him. So he can't mm -hmm. actually breathe when he's using his power. So he has to learn how to actually use his power, which could kill him because if he phases through the ground and then messes up, he'll be stuck in the middle of the ground and die. That's yeah. very fun. And so he like, uses it to like launch himself at, out of right. like the ground and stuff like that. How, so, do, you, how do you watch this show? Uh, you can watch it on Hulu. Uh, mo like the first three seasons are on Hulu for free. I think it's also on Crunchyroll. Fourth yeah. season, uh, I think right now Funimation has the only English dub, but Hulu also has the fourth season in Japanese. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, and it's one of those shows that like, like if you're interested at all, Hanson, I, think, I think you would enjoy it. Like yeah. I think you, well, wait, you have watched. I've watched it, a little you? bit. Yeah. Okay, I was about to say it's one of those that's like by the second or third episode. I think you kind of know because okay. like the big sort of thrust of the show is established at that point, right. where Deku, who's like the main protagonist, is someone who does not have powers, but he receives them later in life, which is like interesting because he's coming to this world. Right. From right. Like a I watched one like second season or something they were fighting in some pokemon arena type thing yeah, yeah. well that's, that's the other thing about that i mean not i know we're diving down a big my hero academia hole but like they're like yeah they're, there's those there's these big stretches where like they're you know in a tournament for school like they're just getting grades but the show is so good at establishing stakes 
for mm-hmm. even like a test at school that it is super enthralling mm-hmm. and just as interesting as the times where they're like le- legitimately in danger from villains trying to kill them. And it's just it's it's really well done. I really like huh. that show a lot. Yeah. Uh, great. And you've been like marathoning it, Serial? Yeah, like my brother was in town this weekend and we were planning to do a bunch of stuff and then like he ven- like he mentioned the idea of like, oh, we should watch some of my hero and we ended up watching like most of that season in like one sitting. Yeah. Uh, Did you at least make it Minneapolis style, like go out and sit by the cherry and the spoon and watch it on a laptop or anything? <laughs> we went and got uh, um, football pizza actually. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. There you Hell go. yeah. So uh, we did end up going to a few places, but it was like we, we had this block of ske- this scheduled time and we were going to do other stuff. And it's like, no, nah, we just watched a bunch of My yeah, Hero Academia. <laughs> but like that, uh, like that, but like that season four arc, uh, like he mentioned, very it was good. like sort of like a, a very long movie where it's just like here's a kind of a small scale conflict, but they do such a good job of giving that conflict like really good stakes. Um, but and it, I almost cried a couple times. It's like yeah. really intense towards the end there. Speaking of which, Dylan oh. Drazik says, hey, I was browsing through some music the other night at work, and I remembered playing Abzu a few years ago, so I popped the soundtrack in, and it immediately took me back. For some reason, the ending of that game hit me hard in this emotional... Sorry, hit me hard in the emotional nards, <laughs> even though it wasn't an especially descriptive story. But my question is, what game or game experience caught you off guard by how hard it hit you emotionally? Yeah, the emotional and, nards, right? Here. <laughs> and since that time, do you think it would still make you feel the same way? Surprising emotions. Yeah. Um, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Oh, has a yeah. Very, it's a very sweet, kind of happy ending, but it like it was like it made me kind of tear up a little bit. It's like ah, everyone's coming together in the end here, <laughs> you know. So that know. one kind of surprised me. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Near Automata's ending, even because I heard it, like it was weird because I'd heard it being hyped up as like oh that's like an incredible moment or whatever, and I was like ah, okay. We'll, f- we'll All right, see. We'll see. Well, it's like a lot, a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm really invested in anime stuff, and I'll you know, you know, sure. overly deconstruct Kingdom Hearts, and every time I look at it, it's just like this is garbage. <laughs> but like, and the that ending E like made me cry. So it was like it was real. Okay, yeah. they were right. Uh, uh yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Sorry. to the podcast. Everybody. I don't know why everyone started staring at me. Because he started talking, you dingleberry. Well, he would, but he was still, Surya was still finishing his anecdote, and then everyone just had to pause because I opened my mouth, apparently. Season one of Walking <laughs> Dead was oh, the really, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was not surprising. I was not expecting to be as moved as I was, and yeah. then I cried. And but I but that is one that I think I wonder if I went back to it if it would still hit me as hard as it did. I think those performances time. in that writing is so good that even if I think some parts of the gameplay would be like okay, twenty twelve, grow up. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think, that, I think the performances be more like twenty nineteen. Yeah, peak gaming. <laughs> uh, I think of like it's weird because it wasn't even the first time that I played the game, but I remember <laughs> I was watching my roommate play Shadow of the Colossus. And it's on PS Plus. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but I feel like to tell the story, I have to a little bit. Where he was playing the game, and I was a little under the influence. And uh, and so he was playing the game, and he was <laughs> so excited. And he was making some jumps with Agro the horse, and he was literally saying <laughs> in an excited tone, You're doing it, Agro! You're doing it! You're doing it! And then this thing happens. <laughs> And I thought I was going to die because I was like <laughs> laughing at his face changing. But then I started laughing so hard that I started crying. And like I was then just a heap of tears about like this scene in Shadow of the Colossus. It's just incredible. Wait, so oh, was, it, was it streaming that? Oh my was God. Was this the original or the remake? 
This would have been or the, the PS3 original, one. actually. I think it was before the PS3 one came out. Okay, when, okay. I was, when I was living with him, yeah. So, I mean, it was emotional. And it was emotional, frame like 14 frames a second. Just, yeah. Yeah. I'm crying yeah. at this frame yeah. rate, man. Well, that's that's the most frames that the eye can see at that time <laughs> anyway. So. Christopher Reardon says, Hey, Kyle says he mm-hmm. wants a smaller, compact game world, but two of his favorite games are Breath of the Wild and Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> and he's one of the biggest defenders of Death Stranding. They're Wait, all big, on. empty worlds. Hold on. <laughs> Does Kyle know what he likes? No. It was a good point. He makes solid points. I, who is it? I think it was Born Spectre. That's the Deus Ex guy, right? Yep. He had, didn't he have that idea for a game that where it took place in like a, an apartment building? Block. Yeah. I always liked that idea. Mm-hmm. But Reardon is really calling me on my shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right. I don't know what I like. <laughs> So fix your life, guys. Sorry. I don't tell you. Breath of the Wild does feel like a dense game to me, for what it's worth. It doesn't feel like a lot of empty space, where Shadow yeah. of the Colossus does, to its benefit. It's kind of trying to create like a lonely world. But Breath of the Wild is a density that I like, where you don't have to go far to like interact with something. Something you can really you know. cromp on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Joseph cromp. Vessel <laughs> says... Hey, the Kojima-Konami breakup is somewhat famous for how poorly the relationship ended. For the longest time, we've seen Konami as the villain in this. Do you think Kojima's recent time in the spotlight has colored that or changed your opinion on who is to blame for that bad breakup? With Kojima somewhat lashing out at U.S. gamers for not being sophisticated enough to appreciate his game, I've begun to see him in a more negative light. Frankly, he seems to be a bit of a prima donna, and I'd imagine him having him as an employee would have been difficult. I think we've... Maybe it's just from working directly with him, but like we've always kind of known that he's a prima donna. Yeah. Like that's kind of part and parcel if, of Kojima, you know. I wonder if lashing out is the right word. You I, know, I think like the quote that he's talking about. I didn't, I didn't really see it as angry. I as, think there's a definitely a situation of like headlines yeah. written it, about that. Yeah, spun the out context of was a little yeah. questionable on how people interpreted that. But this is a guy. But he who, was saying that the Western audience is used to shooters, so that's why they're not appreciating mm-hmm. Death yeah. Stranding. Was the idea? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but this is a guy who. Put credits and his name between like every mission in Metal Gear Solid Five to to an annoying amount of of just like you saw his name probably ten thousand times when you played that game. But it's important to note that there's a lot of context around that of his feud with Konami and them trying to strip him out of there and shove him out the door. So you know it's like not that, that I'm defending but that being a cool But still the kind move. of person that would do that to begin yes. with. Yes. yes. Yes, 100%. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's there's two sides to every story, right? I mean Kojima it's not like they Konami just decided whatever happened. It's this is all like conjecture. We don't really mm-hmm. know what happened, but it's not like Konami was one day like, you know what? Screw that guy. Let's get him out of here. Like stuff builds over time. You know, there's there must have been some element that they didn't like about working with Kojima, whether it was like not enough people around him to say no to his like insane ideas or what. I don't taking know. taking a very long know? time and clearly having a budget that's astronomical. You yeah, know, there's a yeah. thousand things. And like, it's weird. There's, um, I'm sure I'll be proven wrong, but there's, there's like rumors bubbling that like, hey, is the new Kojima Productions working on a new Silent Hill game? There's like some weird teases out there that people are putting it together. And in my mind, it's like, if that's the case and there's something that big, it seems weird that Kojima himself would not be teasing that you know the fact that they let like this producer that we're not familiar with be the focus of that tease like if he is you know kojima likes being the star of the show like i can't imagine he wouldn't want to tease that more personally yeah i don't know yeah that seems crazy that i mean i like that idea that like Mm -hmm. they've smoothed things over and kojima goes back to sound hill but that'd be a huge surprise yeah there's a there's an interesting new york times uh profile on kojima that's out there right now it's not super in-depth i honestly Uh like 
for people like us who follow him really closely, like you're going to read it and you're not going to learn a lot. But uh, it's it's interesting to see the New York Times like yeah. focus on him with this like nice big feature about yeah. him and Death Stranding. And is stuff. he yeah. is he really good? Because I have I only have five free articles, so <laughs> that's true. I think I think you might want to use one. Okay, well, wow. all right. All right. Uh, yeah, I feel like a story that didn't get much press. And I forget if we talked about it on this show, but uh, like the idea of Ken Kojima's producer leaving Kojima Productions at the end of the year, like that's crazy. He's been there as like the right hand man on the production side since Metal Gear Solid Three. We did talk about it here because yeah, yeah, he yeah. went to he went to college in, in Minnesota, but that's one of those things. Like, man, that is wild. And people are trying to connect that to like he left in protest because they're working on Silent Hills again. It's like I I can't imagine, but who knows? I just write to move on, do something different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. join Minmax. I oh, think. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Like, produce us. Yeah. Hey, we do have a new show to be revealed next week. It's Ken from Kojima Productions. I'd, I'd listen. That's to that. the name of the show. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's a pretty good name for a show. If, Put it on Front Street, dude. He's not uh, on it, but that's the name of the show. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. If you want, if he wants to come on, that's his frog. But that's what we're naming the show. <laughs> uh, Felix Davin uh, says, hey, Ben and the Ministers, can you give us a fun fact about asparagus? I love eating a lot of them when the season comes. I always go for a lowly steamed cooking, but with a butter, bit of butter for taste. What's your secret way of cooking them? I'm not a huge fan of eating it, but grilled asparagus, no joke. I think yeah, grilled why asparagus, are you not a fan of that? Because yeah. I grew up with too much of it. It was like, you know, oh. our... I guess I can see that. Yeah, we had Your it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like weird urine. Yeah, the toilet was just <laughs> pungent. Uh, so it wasn't until I had grilled asparagus, probably in high school, where I'm like, oh, wait, this is actually super good. Yeah, that's how I do it. You just drizzle a little olive oil on it. Oh, man. A little bit of salt. Yeah. A little Parmesan cheese. Put it in the oven. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Also, fun facts. Tell me if this is very dumb. I'm sure people out there are smart and they understand this, but... Uh, like you don't plant asparagus every year, you know. It's it's like one of those plants where like you plant it once and then like the field has been going forever, you know. So it's like I don't know what the lifespan of this thing is—fifteen years or something like that. Probably more than that, I guess. But like it just every season they'll just pop up and it's all like one plant underneath that like comes up and whatnot. Are you kidding me? I'm serious. I did not know that. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, that did makes ha- me want to plant some. Did you have fun during that fact? Tell oh. us, if, did you have fun? It was super fun. Let's see, because nice. I don't even know what it looks like underground. Are you sure that's true and well, your parents didn't just go out and plant it every it's year? It's definitely, you don't have to plant it every year, but I'm curious what it looks like underground. <laughs> that's like, it's like, that was like their Santa Claus for How are they going to get a picture of it <laughs> underground? Like I don't know, maybe a mole could how take did you, it well, you, <laughs> how did you like picked it a lot. You just, you break off the individual pieces and that's how you... You grab the shaft, you slide your fingers like this up, and then when you hit the sweet spot, then it snaps. If you have the right uh, level of pressure. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Anyways, That's how babies are made. <laughs> Judgment Kazi says, Dear Ben and the Bennets, what's the dumbest thing that made you laugh in recent memory? Be it a surreal YouTube video, a cheesy pun, or just a weird event in your life? I want to know something that deserved a groan, but you gave a chuckle. For example, I'm currently obsessed with remixes of old Lego commercials where a man falls into a river. <laughs> okay. I don't know why, but I find it hilarious. Last thing that made you laugh a lot in recent memory? Uh, yesterday, someone posted a clip of like the Eric Andre show where they're just like they're interviewing someone I think he's supposed to be in the Street Fighter movie and they're like oh so you, so you got those Hadoukens you got those Hadoukens coming out and they just start riffing on each other just like making up very fake things like there's a part where Hannibal Buress is, is, is like Hadouken and then he goes Sub-Zero Hadouken and it's like they're just mixing up the franchise names the guy's like that's a different franchise and they just evolve into like the point where Eric Andre's just going like oh I'm Chun Liam Sub-Zero and I was like that's like the end of the clip and I've watched that clip so many times because it's Wait, so, so he funny. says I'm Chun Lee, I'm, I'm sub zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I retweeted it in case you, you are interested in watching that clip and have it be funny. Very interested. Uh, I can't remember last week, though, something had me laughing so hard oh, on Surreal, this show. the couch hurting him. Yes. <laughs> Surreal somehow <laughs> hurt himself on a couch. You make me crack up uh, a lot. But I don't think it's out. It's usually not. It's something that you say taken out of context. Because the other one that I remembered was you bragging about how much how you eat turkey all the time. <laughs> you, was I it, bragging? Yeah, it was. No, it was, it like, was cocky. It was a, a Thanksgiving discussion or something. You were like, I mean, I don't get excited about turkey because I eat it all the time. And then Kyle just said something like, "Oh, brag," <laughs> and, and I lost my shit over it. <laughs> It was not meant as a brag, but okay. Right, sir. All right, sir. I would never eat ham, is, I liked, the, is what I'm saying. I liked your tweet, I think it was yesterday at the time of recording, for Super Tuesday, mm. where you just said, I'm holding out for Tuesday 64. <laughs> it was very good. Thank you. <laughs> that was suspiciously good. What do you <laughs> mean really made us sound comfortable. Suspicious. I think you stole it from somebody. Oh. No, you are very funny on Twitter. Thank you. It is, it's What's stunning. your tag? What's your name? Just my name. Yeah, just your name. Yeah. Oh, just okay. my name. Son. This is Follow too specific. I was thinking of like the last thing that it really I laugh a lot, and it's usually like with at my dumb friend Ronnie. Sad or moments in Charlie the Colossus. <laughs> that's yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> well, while in an inebriated state. Yeah, and this is so dumb and specific. But I was playing games with my friend Ronnie, who was on the Dirge of Cerberus stream on the YouTube channel. But I was playing games with him, and I got I like somebody called my cell, a random number, and I decided to answer it. And they're like, "Hey, is Martin there?" And Ronnie could clearly hear the other end of the call and so i was like oh no 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 you must have the wrong number he's like really are you sure yeah no sorry wrong number sorry and then just as i was (laughs) pushing the hang up button (laughs) ronnie just when this out of the room goes hi martin (laughs) so that was the last thing that guy heard and then we died and he said it like with this like this tone of fear in his voice like like he was being held captive. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> it's so stupid. All right. Anyways, and uh, now that's that's our moment for all of us. That's oh, right. Thank you, Ronnie. Uh, the smack says, "Hey guys, I have a what if scenario for you." Wait, the smack from all of Heroes fame. Oh. He says, "Hey, what if graphics peaked at the PlayStation Two, and it's not possible for them to get any better? <laughs> what would?" <laughs> God, I made a goat-like noise on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what would the gaming industry use all the resources, money, and people power for? What kind of innovations could current gen and future gen consoles have if they weren't graphical powerhouses? That's the core of it, but leave that last part mm. out. That's too smart smack. So what if it was just graphics peaked at PS2? What would games be like today? Just more characters on screen. Just more cr- Every game would be just crowds and crowds and crowds. <laughs> yeah. So is this like Metal Gear Solid 2 was like the first step, and now yeah. we just need even more people on the screen? Yeah. This is, I mean, I guess art styles. Yeah, be more interesting and weird. I want to say AI, but like, I don't know how much you could push it in an interesting way on the PS2, but it's like, you know, my favorite thing is thinking about games that could have been released. Like, Stardew Valley could still have been released mm. on PS2. Super Meat Boy could have been on PS2. No. Like, there's plenty of great games. I do. I think been. about that for throwback, like 16 bit games a lot that I really end up loving. I'm like, man, imagine if I'd had this on Super Nintendo. This would have, this would have changed everything. This would have changed the entire industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, if we would have seen more more studios go back to like 16-bit or sprite mm-hmm. animations and stuff if they knew that PS2 was peak polygonal, <laughs> you know, graphics, if they just said, yeah. oh, no, actually 2D looks just way better. I'm really thinking about this scenario of the Smack. Like, think about like, because he's talking about like the budget and stuff. Like, I guess 
I don't know what this the rest of the world is like, but if like how much would it cost to make a PS2 level game at this point? A yeah. couple million? Like it would just allow for every team to crank out more games. Stats, stats on individual games would be a lot smaller. So then yeah. you'd maybe right. crank out more games. So Naughty Dog could be releasing four games a year at this exactly, point, right? Exactly, like, yeah. And just have like the biggest actors in the world all voicing just small characters. Although the, oh, because they just need to use that money for yeah, something. Yeah, they just gotta use that yeah. money. But there's but part of the reason that teams are so big is because so many of them are artists and stuff. You would still mm. need game designers and, you know, the writers mm-hmm. and stuff. So maybe people would go be going into different areas more. I don't know, man. Fun mm-hmm. thinker. Brian Keys Jr. has a game. Okay, Kyle, don't look. Oh, okay. Don't cheat like you normally do. Not uh, today. Brian Keys Jr. says, I have a game for you that I hope you'll find entertaining. That's very humble. Uh, a couple months back, Ben and Kyle did an AMA on Reddit. Simple premise based on that. Can you name these celebrity AMAs based on the questions they were asked? No. Okay. Isn't this good? All right. I've given three questions for each celebrity going from harder to easier. All right. So we're guessing the celebrity. Correct. Okay. This person was asked in their AMA, what will you do on November 7th, win or lose? Jeff. Jeff. Bernie Sanders. Incorrect. What's the recipe for the White House beer? Obama? There we go. No, he didn't say cereal, though. His middle name is Obama. (laughs) Cereal Obama Vasquez. Is that right? Uh, Number two. I don't like to brag. (laughs) What's a piece of technology that's theoretical now that you wish you could make a reality immediately? Kyle. Kyle. Bill Gates. Correct. Are you kidding me? No. Did you read his AMA? I didn't. I read a lot of AMAs, but I don't think I've read a Bill Gates one recently. All right. Do well, you, can we hear the other ones, though? Do we want to? Or you guys no, yeah, good? no, hear the other questions. Yeah. Uh, okay, when was the last time you sat in front of a computer and wrote code? Which is a very good question for Bill Gates. Do you think being a billionaire has made you a happier person than if you're middle class? I wish you wrote the answers. We should all just go read these AMAs. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Next one. Do you like your cookies crispy or soft? Is there anything you wouldn't eat? <laughs> I mean, I've seen you eat a typewriter before. What? <laughs> 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 Who would you most like to sing a C is for Cookie duet with? Oh, Jeff. Jeff. Cookie Monster. Yeah. yeah. Cookie. <laughs> See, I mean, a typewriter. <laughs> All right. I was, um, thinking, I was gonna say Anthony Bourdain, obviously. Uh, but. I was gonna say Bill Gates again, but <laughs> Anthony Bourdain shouldn't have eaten that typewriter in that episode. <laughs> um, hey. hey, how do you like your eggs? What is your opinion on the Michelin rating system? Do you swear just as much in everyday life? Jeff. Jeff. Anthony Bourdain. No, I don't know his Incorrect. name. Incorrect. I know who it is. Kyle. It's, Kyle. Uh, uh, that his is. legal name is not Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know his name. He's that really angry chef. He's Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay. There we go. Way to go. G. Ramsay. Eating donuts on the Hot Wings show. Mm. Ramsay, we call him. Ah. <laughs> Any <laughs> chance of work? That's him on Hot Keep Wings. Keep up, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping asparagus off. Come on. Okay. Uh, any chance of working with Disney again on the Energy show. Pavilion at Epcot? <clears throat> what was your favorite episode of your kids' show? That you... <laughs> Sorry, do you want us to pause while you... Don't touch your face. Sucks not. Yes, please do. Anyways, uh, what was your favorite episode of your kids' show that you ever did? Thanks for making middle school science class so much fun. Kyle. Kyle. Bill Nye Science Correct. 
All right. Oh my gosh. I could do this. Have all you guys day. seen that video of of those women dancing in an elevator? And then someone walks in the elevator, and they all like are embarrassed. So they're like, "Oh, whoa! Someone walked in here." And then the guy turns around, and it's Bill Nye. No, <laughs> it's no. very strange. It is weird. Uh, thank you for writing in with that AMA game. Very fun. I liked it. Eric Clyde has an equally compelling question: If you're in a room and you want it cool, cooler, do you ask to turn the AC up or down? Down. Turn the AC down. I think I say no. Up. You turn it up. Yeah. Mm, okay. Make the air blast. All right. I think I, I think the way I phrase it is, can you lower it a couple of degrees? And they say, what do you mean by that? Do you want me to turn the AC up or down? Yeah, and and I then think you I, say, turn it up. Or maybe I'll just say, like, because I don't, I don't think I've had like this internal like quandary. Like, so that's say up or down. I think I just say, could you make it colder or something like that? Make me make less me degrees. Yeah. Uh, Let's fielding. Hot. Cut back on those degrees. Jeff, I'm Celsius. fielding. Asks you, you can only have one topping on your pizza. Which topping do you choose? Pepperoni. Also, you can permanently ban anyone topping on Earth. What do you choose? Pineapple. Really? Right. Uh, Mike Vote writes in and says, Hello, Min Max. Question for Jeffum this week. Do I have your blessing to name my ska band Jeff Marquia Scava? <laughs> yep. Shout Go for it. Shout out to Beefcake on the Discord. See, this is when it's not gun emojis on the Min Max Discord, it's good ska band names. <laughs> Anthony Martinez says, Hey, what's good, Min Max? When's the next deepest dive? Great question. Um, if you listen to MinFax this week, you probably heard my epiphany uh, of what it should be, and I'm so stupid for not thinking of this, and so I'm going to try and maybe piece that together. It depends on the crew that would be up for doing it. So hopefully before Final Fantasy VII's remake. All right. We talked about it yesterday. I, don't think I guess I just don't remember specific. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're Anyways, talking about. Anyways, but well, otherwise, for sure, Final Fantasy. For sure, well. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes, so please look forward to that. Uh, Carl Anders says, how about a quick game? Can you guess the the game listed on the Metacritic best game of all time based only by the negative user reviews? <laughs> okay. Love it. <clears throat> this is the worst blank game when I ever played. Puzzles are okay, but combat and controls and combat are very boring. Puzzles, <laughs> controls, and combat? Yes. The story is cliche and character designs are horrible. The atmosphere was good. But music was the S word. <laughs> is, I love it if he said the S word. <laughs> which is incorrect. But okay, weapons are unnecessary. Graphic- oh, uh, surreal. surreal. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Incorrect. Oh. Yeah, I thought the music. Graphics was- and art design are worse than all other Zelda games. I think this game was too disappointing. Come on, think of the Zelda game with the bad music. That, that doesn't exist. No, it's this one. Jeff. Oh, wait. According to this. Jeff. Link Between Worlds? Incorrect. Yeah, well, it has amazing music. I don't know. Is it Skyward Sword? <laughs> no, clearly this guy's an insane person. It's Ocarina of Time. That's his oh. review of Ocarina of Time. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, Skyward Sword's not on that list. And no, no, Ocarina's, no. Right. Ocarina's on that list. Here we go. Uh, Weapons are unnecessary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Overrated. Oh. Overrated. Oh. There are better games out there. I don't understand how God of War has 94 and this game 97. Seriously? What Jeff? game? Jeff. Breath of the Wild? No. What game do people pit up against God of War? Last of Us? No, come on. Let's, let's use our brains here. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2. Yes, there we go. Jeff, forgive Papa. <laughs> All right. RPG? I don't get it. I just don't. <laughs> How could this game have received a nine user score? 
It must <laughs> it must be because the current generation of gamers is made up of first person shooter f boys who don't, <laughs> who care more about owns and lols than a deep RPG experience. This isn't an RPG. It doesn't even have elements of an RPG. The only thing that had RPG elements in this game was the marketing letterhead. Then this is another user review for that same game. One of the greatest games of all time. This generation of little brats has brought to you a ruined masterpiece of what the first game was. They only know shooting, mindless, simplified, on-rails gameplay. Kyle. Mass Effect 2? Correct. Way to go. Mm. Dakota Salmarin says, hey, Max Crew. That's us. Hey. hey. Two ends. Hello. Patreon? Will somebody thank Dakota oh, for supporting us on Patreon? Thank you. Uh, hey, I have a question that falls into the getting better category. What's a saying or some simple kind words of advice that have stuck with you? I think we all have a simple memory of a time where just a few words made a big difference. Thanks for the content. This is a broad one. Yeah. What's saying or some simple kind words of advice that have struck stuck with you? I'm a huge dork for this stuff, and I, I think I've talked about it before, but I very much recommend it where I just have a a note in my phone of just like, hey, here's some good life lessons or just when I hear something very smart. It's like, oh, not going to forget that. It's mm-hmm. a me. Oh, <laughs> I am a him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a him, mm-hmm. you know? But does anybody have a good one? Uh, Scott Benson a, a few years ago just kind of tweeted like a, a short thing that is sort was of Night like in that. the Woods developer? Yeah, yeah, Night in the Woods developer. I, he just basically said like, make art, make rent, help others do the same. And I feel like that that has stuck with me. What is it? Make art, make rent, help others do the same. Mm. So like realizing that your responsibility is is like you know just just first focus on what you're able to do for yourself, and then help when you can help others mm. do that. Mm. You know. Uh, the one that sticks with me, and I don't know who I heard it from. It might have been you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <gasps> is that it costs nothing to be nice. Hmm. To other people, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is, I guess, maybe obvious. I don't know, but but it's something that always sticks with me. That in terms of, if someone is in kind of a jam or someone's being a dick or whatever, mm-hmm. like you, you can just not feed into it or not let your ego get in the way, and you can just be a nice person. That that it doesn't cost you anything. Right, right. And that's your philosophy for leaving a comment on Superhero Cinema Scoop's YouTube channel as well. Yeah. 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 It all overlaps nicely. Yeah. There you go. This is kind of a different one, but one that I was thinking about, you know, unpacking previous relationships a little bit and stuff. Um, and it's so stupid for like a point of wisdom, but like it hit me so hard. I think it's in knocked up, but there's some point where Leslie Mann is screaming at Paul Rudd and she has a line where she goes, just because you don't scream doesn't mean you're not mean. Mm. And like that one was just like, oh mm. God. Like I've been in this situation before, like, oh, I'm not I'm not a bad boyfriend because I never yell. And it's like, no, like there's mm. a lot more to that, you know. But I think it's like, especially younger, that was a very easy refrain in my brain of like, no, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, no, you can be mean in some very subtle ways that yeah. you don't realize, you know. You are. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm aware. Oh, I'm aware. Uh and Kyle, you're a wreck? Uh, yeah, no, I don't have okay. anything off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Someday somebody will tell you something smart. Someday. Uh, Shane Carley says, hello, cohorts, and congratulations. Thank you. Wait a minute. Thanks, congratulations. Shane. You've been granted the fantastical ability to revive beloved long-dead video game franchises. See, you suckers. I'm, I'm always taking it and running. <laughs> Time to make some rent. Uh, <laughs> make some art. <laughs> the only problem is that doing so, wait a minute, requires... 
We should have listened to the whole thing. Wait a minute. Uh, it requires you to sacrifice a similarly beloved franchise to the video game gods. All right, I'm standing back down. Mm. <laughs> I don't want this to make this too complicated, so let's assume... Blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's the point. Would you revive Knights of the Old Republic, but in doing so, you have to kill the Elder, the elder Scrolls in a heartbeat? Uh... No, no, I don't think I would. Really? Okay. I'd rather have the original video game uh, world. There's a lot of other places to enjoy Star Wars. Hey, we all want a new portal, right? Yes. Is it worth killing Doom forever? Yeah. Yeah. Jeffum? Immediately. No. What? You wouldn't. Portal 2 is one of the best games ever made. It's still there. <sighs> no, that's a good point. <laughs> I just don't care about Doom. So. All right. To revive Silent Hill, you must kill Gears of War. Yeah. yeah easy. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Okay. No question. Sorry, Gears. Sorry, Gears. Last few Gears. Gears. You're solid good, Gears, but. but... To revive Time Splitters, you must kill Halo. Not for me. No. Honestly, Ooh, I'm even a little bit torn on that one. That's a close one. I think I might do it, but uh, to revive Castlevania, you must kill Dishonored. I think Dishonored's I think Dishonored's dead. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I would revive Castlevania. To revive Paper Mario, you must kill Mega Man. I, I, would, Mega Mega Man? Man? I would make that yeah. trade, I think. All Mega Man. So Mega Man X is in there too? Yes. Of course Mega Man oh, X is in So wait, no, it would no. disappear completely from the face of the earth? Like, And anybody who's ever played it would also die. What about Rock Their Man? skin would turn inside out. I just want to see that hat. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, to revive Perfect Dark, you must kill Mario. No. No. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I, even, I love Perfect Dark, but I'm too, uh, too in awe. They're really trying Nintendo's to give you a difficult choice. And yeah. Ooh. I like this. Anybody Ooh, I like this one. To revive Final Fantasy Tactics, you must kill Final Fantasy <laughs> No, I uh, tactics says a different for me. Peop, a different yeah. people at this table would. Uh, Jason Estes says, "What is one of your favorite sci-fi stories? It could be from a novel, movie, game, short story, TV episode, whatever. Hmm. Favorite sci-fi stories? Good broad question. Akira. I like the Akira mm, manga. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting world. Oh, the man- oh the manga specifically? Yeah. I mean, the the movie is basically a, a shortened adaptation of the manga. Mm. There's a lot more interesting stuff in the manga. No, um. I have a question. Yes. Is it manga or is it manga? It's manga. Is it manga? Okay, because I was talking to my wife about this because on my podcast I said manga and she was like, I think it's manga. Mm. And I didn't yell at her, but she said I was being mean. Oh, really? It's tough because like, I guess Jurassic Park is sci-fi, right? Sure. But that gets complicated. But I was thinking about just like the last time I had a sci-fi story and I'm like, this is exactly it. I remember watching Annihilation and in the theaters I was like, this is what I want from a good sci-fi story or just storytelling in general. It's like, hey, going on adventure into the unknown and the Natalie liter- Portman one? Yes. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. literally anything could happen and it's going to push your understanding of reality. Like that is oof, that's that mm. sweet spot. Even like contacts a little bit. Yeah. No, in that realm of good, just like things that are just a little bit outside of our human comprehension. Mm. Like was that Rendezvous with Rama? Right, like that idea that like a, this giant space station just appears above Earth. So we're just like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, what? it's a Arthur C. Clarke. I'm I'm gonna sure. if, that, if I'm wrong, but it's a novel that they I think uh, Fincher was even going to adapt into a film at one time. Really? But it's like that's kind of like the idea, except you're moving to space, where it's like huge space station, just no like markings or features I on love it. it. And there's there's actually an old video game about it too. Like really? A, yeah. Is it a text game? <laughs> no, it's a um, it's got like uh, uh like real-time video and stuff like that, and you'll just explore the space station to try and figure out what it is. Rendezvous with Rama. Rendezvous with Rama, yeah. I'm into it. Um, you know, I, 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 you bringing up Annihilation made me think of like another like kind of recent film, and uh, Looper was one mm. that I, I really liked in terms of like sci-fi. And yeah. Like uh, 
Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one of my favorite premises ever is Battlestar Galactica, which I think yeah. is super cool. And then I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite series, but I really like the world building of The Expanse. Oh, yeah. Which, it's just really grounded, cool sci-fi. Yeah. It's it just not grounded, kind of, but just like brutally real about how it could be. Uh, kind of, but it's it's more just they they build up a couple different interesting factions. One of the ideas is people have moved and are terraforming Mars, but mm-hmm. that's taking generations. So you have people who several generations have lived on Mars, and so the people there are working super hard to make it a livable planet, even though it's not going to be livable in that way within their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so the, all the Martians essentially are much tougher and kind of resentful of the people who are still from Earth. And then you have people who are living out in in the, they're called belters because they live in kind of an asteroid belt and they're kind of almost indentured servants where they're out there doing this terrible work, like mining asteroids and things. And then the 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 inners of, you know, Earth, Earthers and Martians are kind of reaping those rewards so they're mm-hmm. they're kind of a seen as a lesser class and it's just a lot of kind of politics and interesting stuff is going on as they're also exploring these different ring worlds and stuff like that mm. but but i i don't like all of the characters but the interesting part is that you have these very mm. well thought out different factions that have you know splintered off from each other and how they kind of interact with each other yeah because they pull characters from all three groups and how they interact with each other super interesting Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of of uh, 2001 Nights, where it's like this anthology series of just like really lo-fi science stories. And I think like the one that stuck with me most is like this weird thing where they they put I think they invest a ton of resources into building this rocket that's going to go scout out like the farther reaches of the galaxy. Uh, and so what they do is that in one story they 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 like they figure out how to do that. They send the rocket off to say hey, it, it, and it'll take like however like dozens of years for this thing to get to its target. Uh, and then, like, later on in one of the other stories, because it's, like, all these stories about, like, how we can explore space and less about, like, aliens, because I think aliens are only in, like, one of the stories, and it's, like, the last one. So a lot of it is, like, how would space travel actually work? Well, you know, what? how would people's relationships change if they lived on a space station? Things like that. Um, but, like, in one of the stories, they eventually, like, form this vessel that can travel to another planet, and they want to go live there. And then as they're traveling, they see that other rocket that was supposed to get there in like 100 years or whatever and they realized like we several years after that we made a thing that is way faster and just basically has superseded this mm-hmm. other rocket that we sent off um and it's it, and it's like it, I, it was a while since i read it so i'm not like super learned on the particulars but it, it it was like this really tragic moment of like these guys sacrificed a lot of time to build this thing that was ultimately ultimately made irrelevant you know years after Hmm. So it's like it, it's a small collection. I it, I don't know if you can find it anywhere, but it's like it's a manga <laughs> because um, I wrote it. Yeah, because I wrote <laughs> it in my sleep. Uh, but like, yeah, I I don't know where you'd buy it. I think it might be online at some point. But yeah, it's a it's a really cool anthology of like lo-fi stuff. Sweet, two thousand one so, nights. Yeah, it's a good name. Nights. That's a really good name. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it, why didn't I think of that? Well, it's for based my on anthology. like the, the old uh, one thousand and one nights, which is yeah. Like a, yeah, I got that. Okay. That's why it's a good thing. We're not idiots, right. Serial. Uh, <laughs> hey, Nobby Buckles says, you're an idiot. No, Nobby Buckles writes in and says, hey, a common recurring feature of the sports podcast I listen to is drafting. So I think you all should do a draft of your favorite consoles. Basic rules are simple. Each person takes one per round, and once the console is taken, no one else can take that console. When you take a console, you get to play any game that was released on that console, including remakes and remasters. 
but you don't get backwards compatibility slash eShop games that were released for prior generations. I like that those are his two qualifications. Okay. Backwards compatibility slash eShop. That's right. So if I got a 3DS, I can play Harmonite, but I can't play Earthbound. Correct, Amundo. Okay. Okay. And let's just not include handhelds. Let's, okay. keep, it, let's keep it cleaner. All right, Jeffem, you're up first. PS4. Okay, Kyle. Xbox <laughs> One, I guess. PS2. PC? What you, hey, no. consoles, you baby boy. <laughs> uh, I guess Switch. Ah. I should have taken that. Uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, I guess I'll take um, I'll take Xbox 360. <laughs> uh, it's a good You're right. Uh, uh, <laughs> PlayStation One. PS2. Already no, taken. You're, oh. taking it. Um, you're running on it. Sold out. GameCube. Man. Dang it. Dang it. Wii U. What? All right. N64. I'm not going to play those games realistically. Yeah. It's uh, Ocarina of Time at Jorah's Mask. I'll go Wii. Yeah, Wii's, Wii's good. What do we have left? No. No, no hand. Oh, no. Hey, are, you listening? are you listening? Are you listening? Didn't someone say 3DS, though? As no. an example. Oh. But we know, just consoles. Uh. The Game Boy Advance adapter for the GameCube. <laughs> uh, I don't know that they're out of here. Uh, yeah, what's up? I we guess got NES. Someone said already. Someone already Genesis. said PS One, right? NES, PS Three are sitting there. Uh, sitting pretty. I guess PS Three. Oh, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. NES. Philips CDI. <laughs> I don't know. Original Xbox. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Sega Saturn. Oh uh, yeah. Oh my God. There's one big one. I think. PlayStation Five. Uh, sure. No. Well, no. Hey. Didn't say. Come on. It has uh, to exist. Yes. Yeah, it, it. Oh, it exists. Oh, it exists. You have one. You yeah. played it. You've seen it. It doesn't say that I have to have just it. Just say oh. a real one. Uh, and so you just freaked out because there's something that we haven't said. <laughs> yeah. Did we say Dreamcast? After Dreamcast. We... Wait, who is Dreamcast? Jeffem. Okay, so you're claiming it now. Yes. Okay. And I'll take Genesis, even though I'm not a big Genesis guy. Yeah, I'm is so that what pissed. Was? I thought that that's what you were I was freaking out about Dreamcast. I would I'd absolutely oh, really? love okay. that Dreamcast, yeah. Um, I'm good on Dreamcast. Uh, Master System. <laughs> Master System. Uh, now well, we're just trying to figure out consoles. One of those 50 games in one things you find at the mall. <laughs> smart, yeah. smart. Yeah. There it's got it 50 is. games on it, dude. Are Thank you big, so much, Do you think there are any big ones that we missed? I mean, there's stuff like Jaguar, TurboGrafx. Yeah. Oh, uh... Wonder Swan. God, what are they? Neo Geo. Neo, oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. There's other freaky stuff. What about your. Bally Astrocade? <laughs> Bally Astrocade? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crater says Hello, Ben and the Calculator Liberating Cronies. I have a hypothetical question about improving Min Max. Say you were to get a lump sum cash injection of $100,000, what would you do with it for Min Max? I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, are you offering this crater? Uh, um. Get a studio. Yeah, I was about to say studio would be first and foremost. And then right? hire somebody else on full time. Maybe three. Yeah, well. <laughs> just one lump sum, uh, but yes. We, uh, never we just studio. Invest, like, yeah. first yeah. invest yeah. it, wait a couple years, and then just get back a whole bunch of money. Right. And, then and put it all into soybeans. 
Let right. it ride. That's right. No, that asparagus, they grow back every year. That's very smart. Get Jeff him some time that he can play Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, Mitchell, money, right? mm-hmm. Ryan Mitchell said, has there been a change you've made in your life that was inspired originally by a video game or experience within a video game? Um, I'm thankful that you mentioned Subnautica back on the Game Informer Show podcast because it's become one of my favorite games. In my first playthrough, there was something about building a Cyclops for the first time and gearing it up to go on adventures that really resonated with me. It made me research buying an RV. And this year, my wife and I are buying a truck and travel trailer to go on adventures with our kids because of Subnautica. All right. That's <laughs> cool. Fun. I think it's a very fun little example. Yeah. I started gardening because at Stardew Valley, or gardening, I mean planting plants and having them on the deck and growing peppers and stuff. Yeah. How's it going? Well, not so well right now. <laughs> yeah. A little nipply. Yeah. You, you can't do it in the winter. That's Nancy, right. Because I, I would attribute the same thing when I planted a bunch of raspberry bushes. I think mm. it, it wasn't specifically because of Harvest Moon or, you know, Stardew Valley or anything like that. But I think that was playing those games kind of gave me a general interest and made me think, mm. hey, maybe I could do this. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Mason Parker says, Ben, if you could immediately stop the development of Age of Empires 4 and start development of Age of Mythology 2, would you do it? Yes, I would. I think it's more fun. There's more range. And like Age, Age of Empires 4 I'm excited about, but like it's the same theme as Age of Empires 2. There's more wiggle room, room for creativity with Age of Mythology. Anyways, and then he says, hey, you want a weirdo crazy happenstance? Remember this no. whole thing? No, oh, yeah. thank you. Well, I hope you like <laughs> it. Uh, it's not grandiose, but it's definitely a little odd. One time my brother and I were playing and laughing and randomly at the this same time. This sounds made up already. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> playing and laughing? Come on. <laughs> and randomly at the same time, without any prior communication, both of us yelled, Schlotzkies! At the top of our lungs. It threw us off so much that we both couldn't stop laughing for hours. The crazy thing is we had never, until to this day, I still haven't ever been to a Schlotzkies <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Nice. It's so random. Adam okay. Adam Wagner or Wagner wrote in and he like he was traveling on a trip and he bought a car battery and it was ninety seven dollars and one cent and then he went to eat right after that and the total was ninety seven dollars and one cent. Like, All right, it's good. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Good. Little, yeah. yeah, we appreciate you, Adam. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not wowing us, but we appreciate <laughs> it's, it's you. It's no Schlotzky's, but now <laughs> if he had gone to Schlotzky's as the restaurant, mm, that would have yeah, blown Yeah, what our if minds. the coincidences are within the that's submission? Right. Did you guys know that there's like, were you mm. aware that there's a Schlotzky's deli like kind of close? Like, I in, don't know what I that do is. I do now. Because do it, I, I like could walk to one when I lived in South Carolina and I really liked it. And it wasn't until like last, like, like three months ago that I drove by one here in Minnesota and started like freaking out. I had no and then idea you yelled Schlotzky's? I yelled Schlotzky's. As he drove through the window. Wait, was this at the same time that those other two <laughs> oh kids did? Oh my gosh. And then I got a roast beef sandwich. <laughs> now, Get out of the way. Now, <laughs> I'm I'm very well versed in this, but for the people who might not know, what's a Schlotzky's? It's, it's just, a, it's a deli. It's just oh, like okay. a restaurant that they have really good sandwiches. Sandwiches and good pizza, and uh, I just—it was one of those restaurants that I missed when I moved up here. I was like, "Oh, I miss Schlotzky's from South Carolina," mm-hmm. and so it was like kind of mind blowing that I found one. I had no idea there was one nearby. Sweet, Marty Crawley uh, says like a, a friend of his had a friend whose uncle Jeff passed away, and then they started getting a bunch of uh, voicemails saying, "Hey, this is your uncle Jeff. You got to call me back." And this guy just had the wrong number, but like repeatedly. Oh, oh man, that's creepy. Bo Bakken said, uh, "My dad's middle name is Allen. My mom's middle name is Kay. My father-in-law's middle name, Allen. My mother-in-law's middle name, Kay." <laughs> I love that. That's, that's so weird. fun. Uh, Fred DeNovo says, "Throughout my freshman year of high school, I would think about episodes of The Simpsons, and for about a month straight, whichever episode I thought about would end up airing in syndication that evening." 
I remember that a lot as a kid too, but I think you could just chalk it up to we're all thinking about The Simpsons a lot. Yeah. And you don't notice it when you it doesn't connect it, to yeah. something. So you think of like six episodes and if one yeah. airs, right? Yeah. And there's only like six episodes of The Simpsons, right? That's true. Yeah, there's only six Ooh, good ones. The right? famous miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest miniseries of all. Yeah. Which reminds me, I, I looked it up. This Sunday is the episode that I went to the table read for during E3. Oh, So really? the table read, just for a timeline, in June, then the episode airs now. Isn't wow. that crazy? Anyways. You watch it? I don't know how it. I would. What am I supposed to do? Hook <laughs> up an antenna Wait, is it on my Disney house? Plus right away? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That but no please check it out and let me know if it's funny, because I remember being hilarious. Uh, Garrett Becker says, hello, Benny, Ben, Han, and the other dudes. Here's a weird coincidence for you. I almost never remember my dreams. A week ago, I woke up with a faint memory of dreaming about this dude I used to go to high school with. Uh, and I never really hung out with him or knew him that well. And then I checked my phone, plugged in across the room, and Facebook sent me a notification saying it was his birthday. It's pretty, pretty good. Weird. Uh, Joe Juba writes in saying, hello, Jeff, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Jose Huni says, hey, following up on the inexplicable coincidence discussion, have you ever had a dream that somehow incorporates the things happening around you? Like you're getting jostled around in a bumpy car ride in your dream, then you realize someone has been trying to shake you awake for a full minute. Basically, in that scene from Colonel Trigger, right? Where Marl's like, Colonel, 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 Colonel. That's how it works, right? <laughs> so, George says, Hey, here's my inexplicable version of that. I've had dreams where the real and unreal worlds are perfectly synced. For example, I might be the dream captain of a nuclear submarine and I'm getting ready to press the red alert incoming missile warning button. And the instant I do, my alarm rings in the real world. How can someone's unconscious mind have split-second accuracy when it comes to knowing exactly when something is happening in the waking world? I've 100% had that, too. Oh, yes. yeah. All the time, and, yeah. And I've All had, the time. Every night. No, pretty often, though, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've had the other... Are you sure you're understanding this? The time travel thing? Yeah, I have thoughts on it. I'm yeah, he moves, go first. he moves okay. really slowly or whatever. But I've had other ones, versions of that, where it seems like the thing that's triggering whatever is going on lasts for a super long time in the dream, you know, where it's like... I'm being attacked by bees and they're making a buzzing noise mm -hmm. and that that feels like it's going on for 10 minutes but then when I wake up I realize it you know it it was a one time buzzing noise like that's right. not a good example of it but but the like the weird time dilation of how long it it seems like something's mm -hmm. going on in a dream versus the you know when it's actually happening right or how quickly it can happen that's very yeah. weird how yeah. do dreams work I don't know. So I talked to a pair of dream doctors during my time at Game Informer magazine because I was talking that was, that about That was the how... segue I was looking for. What? Were you watching Grey's Anatomy with those dreamy doctors? Oh! Uh, yeah, that was my opening question for them. But it was a, it was a feature about, like, because, like, in terms of entertainment media, video games are the things that invade dreams more than anything else, like, mm -hmm. scientifically, the Tetris effect and stuff like that. Um, but one of the things that we talk, I talked about with them... Sorry, I said, could you say the sentence again while pushing your glasses up your nose? Uh, one of the things I talked about with <laughs> them you. was... Yeah. Um, subtle, subtle. Was <laughs> so, just yeah, the way that, that, basically, dreams are, like, you taking things and your brain's just trying to, like, un like... Make sense of it. So I think what happens, I say I think, like this is my theory, but that thing where it's like you hear a noise and then your brain, and then like your dream Pivots gives fast. context for why. What What is happening, I believe, is that like it's not that your brain instantly comes up with like, oh, let's come up with some context for the sound. Basically, you're, you hear the sound and then your brain kind of like takes time to give it to you because it's trying to make context for you. So it's not that oh, it's not really happening in real time. It's like you just, you don't, the brain doesn't give you the noise until it, it thinks it has an idea for what it could have been. Mm. And then it hands it to you. That's really interesting. That's yeah. the best explanation I can imagine. Uh, I wish I could remember those doctors' names. Maybe maybe I can give you a link to put in the 
description hey, or something. Dr. Dr. Phil. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Oz. Uh, Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz. Zach. Uh, the doctors of our dreams. <laughs> Zach says, welcome back to another enthralling installment of Erie Tales from Erie, Pennsylvania. Asterisk, this tale does not take place in Erie. Uh, okay. In high school, I went to Valley Scare. Remember? That's where uh, Midnight worked. Uh, the Call of Duty player. Uh, and a friend forgot uh, his insulin. And so the point is he went into the uh, amusement park and then as he was walking in, his friends like, oh, crap, I forgot my insulin. And they were in a huge crowd. And they said that it was like five minutes had gone by since they talked about it. And then a woman dressed as a skeleton went up to his friend and said, yo, I have diabetes, too. And then disappeared into the crowd. <laughs> uh, was that midnight? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, Gregory Varney says, hey, fellas, uh, when I was younger, around five or six, I used to regularly suffer from night terrors where I'd scream things or thrash about while I slept. And it was really difficult uh, to wake me up. My parents used to wake me up by sitting in the bath and asking me questions until I came to. What? Weird. Like they'd carry him to the I bath guess so, and just yeah. sit in a tub? That's just odd. Okay. Um, <laughs> one, one, night, one night they asked me to count to 10 for them. And according to both of them, I responded by counting to 10 in perfect German. Which really freaked I them out because I because I'd never learned any German. When I'd woken <laughs> up, they right. asked me if I knew how to count to 10 in German. I told them I didn't. And I didn't proceed to learn it for another two years. I think it's entirely fair to say that, say that I was definitely possessed by a German ghost and didn't know about it. Mm. Does, Isn't that weird? Did the parents speak German? Are they sure that it was? Well, they were in thing? Germany. Oh, was that, I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, oh, I missed that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't say about the yeah, parents. I'm Isn't that weird? To poke holes. That is, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, weird. Uh, Michael Archer had somebody at his college. It's also named Michael. Oh, my gosh. There's so many of these. They're very fun. Okay, Co- Con- uh, Connor Rust here. This is good. This one is good <laughs> you gonna make it through uh connor russ says hey in sixth grade my friend and i uh were in recess it, it was indoors and they're backed up to two parallel walls and he made a paper airplane and he threw the paper airplane at his friend as i let go of the airplane i catch the eye of my middle school crush so he glanced over at her glanced back and my friend is bent over desperately searching for our paper airplane the floor is clear, and there's nothing around that could possibly be obfuscating the plane. I asked what happened. He said it flew right over him and then disappeared. He thought it hit the wall above him, but didn't hear any noise. My friend and I had been backed up against... My friend had been backed up against the closed double doors of a classroom closet holding school supplies. I called the teacher over and asked him to open the closet. After some convincing, he pulled out his keys, unlocked the door, and sitting inside was our paper airplane. The plane had managed to fly through the closed doors. So this is the part that I love. The plane wings and body form the T. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And it's the same with the doors on the... Mm. So it's like the double mm-hmm. closed doors. Yeah, the yeah, gap the is time. like a perfect T. And so the plane just happened to slide <laughs> through that. That's really cool. That is Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You could, like, how long would it take you to recreate that? Like, I know. Forever. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Connor, great. Great one. And not even supernatural. Just he had nope, the explanation, yep. but it's just wild. Um, all right. Then we have oh also uh Connor says, Love the show, keep cranking that yanker. Mm, um right. Bob Buell. It's oh. game show o'clock, UMFers. <gasps> I like how you always rotate the laptop so it's yeah. get it out of my gaze every I time know it's your time style. for a game. <laughs> all right. It's time to play Sonic the Hedgehog Enemy or as Saint <laughs> Take two. It's time to play Sonic the Hedgehog Enemy or 
as seen on TV product. In every matchup below, one option is an enemy from the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, and one is a household as seen on TV product. Can you find out which is which? Okay. All right, let's just go around the horn here. Serial, egg sitter or egg magician? <laughs> which is the Sonic enemy? Egg magician? Is Sonic? Yeah. Correct. Oh, way to go. I would have gone the other way. Jeff, um, monkey dude or piggy pop? <laughs> which is the Sonic enemy and which is the SCN TV product? Monkey dude is the Sonic. Correct. Wow. Monster trapper or corky? I think Monster Trapper is the Sonic. Corky's the Oh, Sonic. I broke the streak. What's a Monster Trapper? Yeah. You'll find out when you're older. All right. La- <laughs> I'm already 20. Laser <laughs> Flapper or Flame Bulb? Uh, this is a good game. <laughs> Laser Flapper? Is the Sonic Laser one? Flapper Sonic. Yeah, way to go. Jeff, mm-hmm. Point Dexter or Atomic Zapper? Which is Sonic and which is as seen on TV? Sonic is Atomic Zapper. Sonic is Point Dexter. No. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Fridge Brute or Reheatza, Kyle? I'm going to say Fridge Brute is Sonic. It is. Okay. Atomic Angel or Ball Hog? <laughs> Atomic Angel is the Sonic one? Sorry, Atomic Angel is real. Jeff, I'm no, Cluckoid or Huggle? <laughs> uh, Cluckoid is Sonic? is Sonic. Yes, correct. Said with confidence. Kyle, Rhino Liner? Or Spike Ball. Spike Ball is Sonic. Incorrect. What? They're really? both. Both. <laughs> They're both both? <laughs> oh, and my I, God. And I was like, Rhino Liner? No way. I looked up, yeah, Rhino Liner is absolutely a product. Well, yeah, it's like for cars, right? It's yeah. Like, yeah, that, yep. that's why I was so confident. But, oh, wow. But Way it's also go. a Sonic character? That's right. <laughs> okay. You got that's it. Insane. That's a good game. Good job, Bob. Uh, what do you guys like for a question of the week? The I Am 8-Bit official question of the week. I Am 8-Bit official question of the week. I mean... I like that Sonic game a lot, but it's also that trap of like just it's the, the one that we thing. just did. You I know. know all the games were really good this week. Yeah, uh, I even like the the Metacritic based on the user reviews. Oh, that, yeah, I like the AMA thing. I think that was really clever. You know what? I I like that. I'm, I'm what, leaning. I'm leaning uh, Metacritic just for the joke of someone saying that Sonic. What do they say? Zelda the weapons are useless. unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary. That is true. I really like that. I I do like the paper airplane thing too. It yeah, it's, it made me think the most. The dream Joe's Jeff Joe's which way was good. The dreams. Uh, I'll I'll do the AMA one. AMA over Sonic or as seen on TV. No, I'm sorry. I meant the Metacritic one. <laughs> oh really? I'm, I've okay, lost my mind. Go- going yeah. Metacritic. I like I like the Metacritic one a lot. Serial. Yeah. Weigh in, that way. dude. Weigh yeah. in. Metacritic. Wow, he confidently said Metacritic. <laughs> there we go. Carl Anders, congratulations. Yeah. We'll ship you out. Uh, I'm 8-Bit specifically. We'll ship out the Battletoads soundtrack on vinyl. So you can listen to David the song. One of the tracks is named Title Screen. <laughs> yeah, please remember that, Carl <laughs> Anders. All right, thanks so much for everybody that wrote in. And uh, keep writing in with new questions and games and stuff like that because we have a lot more fun stuff to give away from I'm 8-Bit. So thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Um, I think now it's time for something called Get a Load of This. All right. Uh, well, Get a Load of This. I, you know what, here, I was planning to explain it, but I think I'm just going to play it first. Okay. Don't hold it up to the side.
is about. What is this cereal? Uh, did you ever watch those Education Connection oh, ads? I've yeah. never heard this before in my life. Oh, no. that, I know that song very well. Yeah. yeah it's really? Good. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. was like an ad where it's like you can go get caught, like get, you know, it was an online was like, college thing. Yeah, but they just that had the, the super catchy song for their commercial, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And this you is that. You talk into your mic, by the way. And this is that song <laughs> we mixed with the uh, uh, Doha Cat song. I think it's Say So. Is yeah. the name of the song. I've never heard either. So yeah, it sound no. like a song. Well, this is more for the listeners. I guess. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, that's sure, good. I liked it. I know that. I know that commercial very well. Yeah. And okay. there's there's videos of people like really dancing to that song, like hardcore. Yeah. It's super fun. Incredible. So it's like one day, one night, Saturdays. All right, mm-hmm. online's just fine. Yeah. That's right. Do you, I mean you know that song? No, I don't know that. I know one, that but one. But I figured yeah. it was like a National American University. Is this yeah. like a regional thing? It's in thing? that vein. It's in that thing. Okay. All right. All right. Get a load of this. Yeah. Uh, this was a headline that popped up in my news feed. That Toaster Shrudled Up. Yes. Uh, Game of Thrones fans found another massive season eight plot hole <laughs> nearly a year later. Uh-huh. Nearly a year later. And I clicked on it. I didn't want to, but it was so stupid that I had uh-huh. to click on it. And the plot hole apparently was that, uh, you know, the whatever dragon glass. Are there spoilers here? No, not okay. not really. Yeah. The dragon glass, glass yeah. that they can use. Yeah. Uh, why didn't they make them into arrows? Because that would have been effective. That was it, the plot. This oh. is the state of the <laughs> internet these days. Yes, this is the state of the internet and the state of complaining about Game of Thrones a year later. Like, what are you guys doing to yourselves? Right. Just let it go. If you didn't like it, fine. Just right. We don't have to keep on coming up with reasons that we hate it and then calling them plot holes. Nothing's worse than getting nitpicky about the movies and TV shows. Just enjoy it. Don't get so specific. (laughs) But also it's like the idea that that's what was wrong with Game of Thrones. Right. It's just like, oh, yeah, if they'd use those spears as the arrows, that would have been a great season. And everyone should always behave in ideal ways across every... That's what makes good narratives is everyone behaving optimally all the time. Yeah. (laughs) And please read a Wikipedia entry on what a plot hole actually is and isn't because it's not that. And then push yourself in one. Yes. Kyle! And bury yourself. Hold on a plot hole. Hey, get a load of this. Uh, this This is a quick one. Uh, I just thought it was a very interesting tweet from Imran, Z-O-M-G, our, our buddy old pal mm-hmm. Imran Khan. The podcast corrector. Yeah, uh, and he just tweeted, Later this year, we will be as far from Super Mario 64 as Super Mario 64 was from Pong. Which is just like, wow. That's good. Video games move fast. And he's getting a lot of retweets on that sucker, and I'm proud of him. What's he up to? What's Six, 658 on that. Hey, look at that. It's go. a good tweet, Imran. That is good. Follow Imran on Twitter. He's good good, good at Twitter. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood came out, I did the math, and I was like, oh, that era was closer to Reservoir Dogs than <laughs> we are to Reservoir Dogs now. Oh, it's like, I love that type of weird stuff. Just, you know, death is coming for all of us. Enjoy. Anyway, um, 20 I, years, PS2 today. <laughs> there's an article, there's a, there's a video from Ars Technica, and they have a whole series. I've never seen them before, but this one was definitely up my alley, and it's a video called How How Crash Bandicoot Hacked the Original PlayStation, and their series is called War Stories. Um, but it's Andy Gavin, the programmer 
co-founder of Naughty Dog talking about just programming Crash Bandicoot, which is like, oh, I think I understand that world pretty well. But this video is the best I've ever seen for like, hey, we're going to take a really technical topic, which is how the PlayStation digested and streamed data off the disc and like break it down into just a nice visual layout of here's exactly what's happening. Here's what Andy Gavin did to get more juice out of the PlayStation than any other PlayStation 1 developer. And it's just an incredibly well done video um, showing that like, oh, here's how Andy Gavin changed systems within the PS1 and was able to actually stream more data off the disc, which he now has a patent on, which is crazy, mm -hmm. like streaming gameplay data. Basically, instead of loading the entire level, he just loaded only the relevant bits very quickly. And so it's a very technical thing. We can't get into all of it, but definitely check it out. It's called How Crash Bandicoot Hacked the Original PlayStation. Um, and for two details in there, they're a little bit lighter. Uh, he said that Crash 1 sold more and was selling more the year that Crash Team Racing came out than Crash 1's original release. Like that that really? series mm. just kept snowballing to such a ridiculous degree that at the end of the PS1's life... It was eventually chasing him it down was, a hallway. That's exactly <laughs> it. Also, fun fact uh, in that is he reveals that the naughty dog that the studio is named after uh, was based on the dog that he had, and its name was Morgan. So like knowing that... Oh, Naughty Dog had a name. His oh, name Morgan. was Morgan back in the day. So That's interesting. Yeah, check that right. out. And they just called the studio Morgan. Yeah. It's a much better name. <laughs> it's aged better. I remember when the Jack and Daxter remake came out, there were a couple like interviews with Ruben and Gavin, just like almost like commentary about like the series and yeah, stuff. Yeah, two-player productions produced it. Okay, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. I remember one of the... I remember them basically talking about the original Jack and Daxter and um, just telling the people who were porting it. I, I don't remember who the studio was, but they are just like... Good luck, guys, because like we yeah. have a lot of band-aids going on in that game, and it is really funky the way we were able to stream that whole world. So uh, good luck porting that to a new platform. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that's it for this week's episode of The Midmax Show. We appreciate you sticking around, listening to the full thing. You're the best. Um, yeah. Thanks for your support on Patreon. If you're not a Patreon supporter yet, I hope we earn your support. If you appreciate the show, we would appreciate your support. Check out the benefits for supporting us. And at the same time, uh, get ready for a very exciting week uh, next week. If you just listen to the podcast, you'll notice a couple of small things. But if you're a larger member of the community, I think there should be some very fun stuff that we'll be announcing and tweaking and stuff along the way. But it's all pretty community positive stuff. So it's going to be a fun week. So we'll see you next week then, everybody. Cool. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. What's your favorite track from Battletoads? <laughs> I haven't played Battletoads very much. Try and guess. Try and guess the name of one track on here. What are their names? It's like Wart, mm. Fart, and like Spill First, First one to guess one of the names on here. Zit? No. Nope. Uh, Zit's, Zit's Epiphany? No. 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 Rash is... Uh, just try, just, you're trying to, trying to think of, of the name of one track. Toad, toad Fight. No. Nope. Something with highway in it. Space Rats. Oh, no. There's a turbo tunnel, but no. There's no. <laughs> Same. Think, think bigger. Big highway. Oh, damn, man. Just I'm zoom out. not going to win this game. Here's, here's, a, here's a hint. What's that? Opening theme. No, but you are getting warmer to it. Intro. Think. Intro? No. Start Title theme? theme. No. Main Ti menu. Title track? No. Title card. Start theme. No. Start the game. Opening. <laughs> no. I saw it, so I'm, I'm out. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the thing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Because of the break What is happening right now? Because I'm imagining <laughs> he's the thing and he's like trying to hide and then he realizes he's being outed because he can't guess the name of <laughs> this guy got attacked now because they know I'm not a human. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you're crying. And, all, and also crying. the thing emerged as a burp, you know. Yeah. Oh as he does. God. Oh my god. Okay. Was, Jesus <coughs> Christ. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs>